welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serial Sensei. We are on episode number 138. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes. If you're on iTunes, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. You can also listen to us on Spotify as well as Google Play. Give us a look on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Dojo Talk Podcast Instagram page. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. And of course, as always, I'm joined with my co host, Antakul. What's going on, man? Um, not much. Every one of these episodes, like to start with something like a little fresh, a little new. But, uh, you know, we just had E3. We're going to start with that, ask you your thoughts on it. But I'm, I'm too hyped. Because you know what's next week? What is next week? The greatest fight of our generation. We have the champion, Artem Wobov. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> taking on the Italian stallion himself, Paulie Malinaggi. <laughs> I'm gonna let you know that you you uh you're gonna have full responsibility of coverage. <laughs> Bare knuckle fighting championship six. They'll be wearing gloves. They just won't have knuckles. <laughs> that is a real thing. The Florida State Athletic Commission came out and said they had to wear gloves, but they didn't have to wear have knuckles on them. Go figure. Jesus Christ, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you you guys and your bare knuckle uh, festivities. Y'all have I fun. Mean, that is. Artem Wobov versus Jason Knight was the best fight of this year. And yes, it was better than Israel at the sign. You killed Gaston. I'm doing that. <laughs> God. Um, uh, uh. And I'm not going to be able to avoid it. That fight's going to be all up and down my timeline. So I guess I might as well just. I mean, I'm not watching, but I'm just going to have to get used to it. That, you know, Embrace it. I bet the bare knuckles here to stay. So, Ugh. Ugh. but you got. How, how are you doing, Sensei? I'm uh, I'm alright. I guess this week's been a little, little hectic. I'm really tired. I'm not gonna lie. Like not tired. Like I didn't get sleep tired, but tired. Just like I'm like exhausted. But like emotionally spent. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot going on this week. But looks like it's a nice day outside. Hopefully it doesn't rain. I got caught in the rain the other day while I was driving. It was not fun. It was like that yeah. torrential, like downpour rain. Yeah, um, like when I talked, like when I was talking to my coworker earlier this weekend, and she was like, she asked me what I was gonna do this week. I was like, go, I'm gonna probably go hiking or something. And she told me it's supposed to thunderstorm all weekend long. And now I'm looking at it. I'm like, damn, I'm gonna really drive down to Delaware this afternoon. It's gonna be a thunderstorm. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on the road as well. Um, well, I guess with that being said, because I figure we're both driving for the same reasons, uh, happy Father's Day. Well, it'll be past Father's Day by the time you guys hear this, but happy belated Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. 
I will be driving to my dad's house sometime later after we record this. Wait. And I need to figure out a uh, dinner plan. Cause I have to cook. And we, we gotta put up the thing of Mark Bowman uh, with his two kids after Fedor beat him up. <laughs> That'll be the picture for that episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a real shame there weren't more heavyweight fights this week or like middleweight fights. Like we, we could have done the whole Tough Dads episode. Ah oh, man, that'd have been a nice Father's Day, <laughs> nice Father's Day dedication. Shout outs to all the shout out yeah. to everybody at at 185 and above. See that next year, just nothing but we're, we're, we're just, if there's a card this weekend on the Father's Day weekend, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to talk about our best mid-tier middleweight fight of all time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Tough, tough dad, tough dad edition episode. <laughs> I, I feel like we have that like, like a cutoff for tough, uh, t- uh, tough dads. Like you can't be like a top eight fighter and be a tough dad in middleweight. You literally have to be like unranked. Mm, I give you top. You can be at like the bottom of the fifteen, maybe thirteen and back. See, I don't get, like, a tough dad uh, vibe from, like, a, a Yoel Romero so much as, like, a, like a, like that one crazy uncle vibe. You feel me? Where he definitely has kids you don't know about. Right. <laughs> but, like, they don't know him either, so he's not really a dad. <laughs> I guess I figured because middleweight, middleweight after about the top eight sometimes like, starts to look a little sketchy. Yeah, like, Chris Weidman was the only, like, tough dad in the top of that division, and he's gone now, so. Yeah. that He had all the dad energy. Well, we'll, we'll figure well, it out. Well, well, well him, him and Silva. So, Silva was definitely a tough dad. Yeah. Ah, oh, boy. Yeah, when, when you, like, when you, when you a, lose via your knee going out, uh, yeah, I think you've hit a... Like, Anderson Silva definitely, like was the dude who was just, like, dancing at, like, all his, like, daughter's, like, birthday parties and, like, embarrassing <laughs> her from his her friends. He was at the wedding cutting up. <laughs> exactly. He was definitely at the wedding going off. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out the tough dad, like, official criteria. Um, but, no, nah, yeah, there is there, there is a lot, like, that's happened since the last time we recorded. We had E3. The NBA Finals is – the NBA season is now wrapped up. Toronto is uh, – NBA champions, they took out Golden State. Uh, for anybody who watches hockey, was it the St. Louis Blues won the uh, Stanley Cup? Um, yeah, there's been a lot going on. A lot going on. Uh, I guess we could spend a little, 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 little smidgen time on on E3 before we uh, jump into the episode. Um, I'm, I'm running yeah. this off the off the top of my head because I don't have any of this pulled up. Um. Well, I guess I'll, I'll say for those who don't watch, if, if you don't know what E3 is, um, pretty much, you know, one of the largest video game conferences that happens every year. Normally you have your big three with, uh, well, actually, no, I can't say big three because normally Nintendo does their own thing. But normally it's a Sony, Microsoft, and then you get all the other developers who have their own conferences and so on and so forth. But this year was a little different because there was no, there was no Sony, um, which I think this is like the first time ever that Sony has opted out uh, to do E3. So you had like Microsoft, you had Nintendo, and then you had uh, what else? Bethesda, Ubisoft, Square Enix. Um, 
Activision. Yeah, Activision. They even Wait, did the um. No, no, not Activision. Yeah. They did switch it up though, because I think even like PC had a, a show. I didn't watch it, but uh, yeah, they had a gaming show, yeah. which is weird, because like who runs the PC gaming show? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, like who's like, the who's the host? Like who? <laughs> like yeah, because like with Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo, like you know who, or, or even like any of these game publishers, they have like people who are designated for that. But like, who who's the host of the like like do all the like PC game publishers are just like oh. They all get shoveled into, like, one thing yeah, where they get, like, five minutes to talk about their indie game or whatever. Who, who represents the quote-unquote master race? <laughs> oh, e- EA. EA was the other one. That, uh, ah. I forgot. Yeah, they went. Did they um, talk about putting, like, uh, what was it, transactions in the NBA 2K or something? I didn't see any of EA's conference except for one thing, and that was the Star Wars game. I didn't see anything else. I heard it was a lot of jumping and climbing, and that was basically it. Cause I liked it though. It <laughs> I saw people saying it looked like Uncharted, and it kind of does. Cause there, there was a lot of jumping, climbing, but I like how they were using the force. You could like move stuff. Uh, you run on walls. Yeah, it looked it looked cool. It looked cool. I'm not saying it's a day one buy. I'm I'm not saying I'm ready to like you know reserve it and hand over my money, but we haven't gotten like a good Star Wars game in a while, especially one like that, like a one that actually has like a story, not like a shooter or anything like that. So, I have hopes that that'll be something. Like that'll it, it look it looks they have my attention at least, so that's good. Um, I mean the conferences overall were cool. I would say the highlights for me, um, like I said, I'm running this off the top of my head. I'm not a Microsoft guy, so I'll throw that out there. Um, they had a decent conference, but my only gripe is that a lot of their conferences was like a lot of CI trailers and not a ton of gameplay, which I kind of wanted to see some gameplay for some of these games because, you know, anybody can make a dope CGI trailer, but your game still might be trash. But, um... Just uh, Fallout 76. <laughs> like, so CGI trailers don't always do it for me, but just a couple of games I'll throw out there for people if, if you want to watch. Um, there was a game called Ghostwire that caught my attention. That was a really, really interesting trailer. Um, I know everybody's in love with the woman who uh, who gave the the uh, the, the yeah, host the, for yeah, that. Gave the, yeah, I don't remember her name, but yeah, I actually didn't um I didn't watch that uh, part of the conference. I just saw the trailer of the game, but I did see the lady they were talking about. Um, so yeah, Ghostwire looked really looked really really interesting. Um, there was a game called Deathloop. It's called Deathloop. It, it was a game where there were two black main characters, and they were like assassins, and that looked really, really interesting. Um, and also, just not often you see two black characters as main characters in a game, and they seem to be like the focal point of whatever that game is. So that that game had my attention. Uh, Cyberpunk 20, 2077. Yes. Uh, that looks awesome. The, based off the, uh, what was it, tabletop game? I did not know existed, uh, cyber, uh, Cyberpunk 2020. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, it looks awesome. Yeah. yeah. It looks it looks really good. You know, Keanu Reeves came out, and everybody lost their minds. <laughs> He's really interesting to watch on stage. Somehow, like, it fit him perfectly. Um, but, no, yeah, eat, that, that was, uh, that had my attention. 
Uh, Doom Eternal looked amazing. Um, and that did show a lot of gameplay. So that, that game looks like nothing but fun. I mean, uh, Gears... it's Doom. You can't, like, there, there's nothing to Doom but gameplay. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, it's nothing. There, there's not a lot of CGI trailer you can show with Doom. You just got to show shooting. And, then, like, this one, like, you can jump around. And they, they've added, like, extra mechanics that makes it look even more fun. So, yeah, Doom, Doom Eternal looks like a must-have. Um, the Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm not even like a huge Final Fantasy guy, but that remake looks really, 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 really good. Um, but it's going to be two Blu-ray discs, which makes me think this game is going to take ages to beat. And I have dedication issues. I mean, so. the, the, the original one took forever to beat. I'm like two Blu-rays. That's 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 a lot. That is like that, this is I'm just milking money out you uh, of everybody like like the, all the stuff that they showed in the trailer was from like the first twenty minutes of the game. But so. e- either way, it looks it looks really good. I like how they did the combat system. They it's hard for me to like describe it, so I would just tell people if you're interested, just watch the trailer. But I, I like the the combat system looks pretty fun. Um. So yeah, that that definitely had me, and it was a lot of CGI mixed in with gameplay. That that was probably one of the best highlights of the entire like E3. Um, and I had a couple of cool indie games that I saw. Um, there was some game I called it the Bambi game. You get to play as like a deer, some little deer adventure game. I don't know. That actually like the I like the art style. It looked pretty cool. And there was some other game where I don't remember the name of it, but there was a the main character was uh, a black woman. And it was another like 2D indie game, but the art style looked really dope. Oh, uh, I know you're talking about. Um, crap! I know this. I know this. I don't know this. <laughs> I, I I remember the one you saw. You're talking about. Yeah, that that looked that looked pretty cool, and I, I like like 2D like platformers and games like that. So that, that I might give that a look. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. Um, Astral Chain looks amazing. I'm I'm buying that game. I I cannot wait. To play it i've heard of this for a while but that trailer looks so good so so good um so i can i cannot wait to play astral chain uh, banjo kazooie got announced for smash brothers i'm not a huge banjo kazooie fan but everybody else was like fainting and, and they, they were all for it so i'm happy you guys got what you wanted because i know people have wanted to see banjo kazooie in smash for a while um i feel like i'm probably forgetting something but i mean it was, it was cool like um you know, it wasn't an amazing conference, but I think they did have, like, a little bit of something for everybody. Like, if you're into RPGs, you definitely got a lot uh, shown, especially from, like, Nintendo and Square Enix. You got, got a lot of RPGs. Um, and then if you just wanted to see, like, the heavy hitters, I think Doom Doom and Final Fantasy probably gave you a pretty good fix. And then, uh, oh, of course, you had a, they showed Halo. They didn't show gameplay, but cool to see Halo back. Um the Marvel game, which I've seen a lot of mixed, uh, the Avengers game, I've seen some mixed opinions on that. It looks like it should be out on PlayStation 3. See, I <laughs> I haven't seen the gameplay yet, so I'm going to have to reserve judgment. Cause I, I think there is a video out there that has gameplay of it, and I know they had gameplay booths there at E3 uh, for people who were there. So I'm gonna have to reserve judgment. Judgment. I have to go back and just watch the gameplay to see if what it looks like. We have. I've heard a lot of mixed, uh, mixed feelings about that game. Um, 
but no, nah, E3 was cool. Um, it was a nice, nice time to spend the weekend, you know. If you were interested, you know, all, all of it's on YouTube now. You can go watch the conferences separately, so you don't have to sit through the whole thing at once. Just find what you're interested in and go look at that. But, um, no, I thought, I thought E3 was cool. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and real quick, I have to mention the NBA Finals again, because I'm $35 richer now. Well, I haven't been paid yet, so I'm not technically $35 richer yet, or richer yet, but will be come Tuesday. I want to go back to work. So shout outs to the Toronto. That was actually that that was an awesome that was an amazing game six. Um I didn't want to stay up because I had to work early the next morning. But I watched the first half and just the game was so back and forth that I just I had to keep watching and it was it was entertaining down to the very, very, very last second. Um I hate Golden State <laughs> but I never, you know, you don't want to see people get injured, so I hope KD and Clay are, are doing all right. Well, well, it kind of sucks. I think we know KD's gone for next season. I think that's pretty much been confirmed. I don't know how long Clay's going to be out for, but he tore his ACL. And shout to him, man. Clay was playing his heart out. He was lighting Toronto up before. I think he had like 30-something before he left, and that was just in like the first half. Um, but no, it was an amazing game six. Shout-out to Toronto for really gutting out that win. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Great, great way to end the season. I'm really excited for the offseason. I'm really excited for the draft. The Lakers are already making moves. They just made a trade. So they got Anthony Davis. They I think they got rid of Lonzo, Ingram, Josh Hart, and like three first-round picks. So we'll have AD and LeBron playing together next season. That's going to be interesting to watch. I'm interested to see what the rest of that roster is going to look like, though. Because they gutted so many people but they did keep Kyle Kuzma so that's that's a good thing so we'll, we'll see how the Lakers look um so yeah I don't know a lot just a lot of sports stuff going on uh real quick before I forget uh shout outs to the listeners as always any guy all you guys reposting sharing on tumblr on twitter wherever you are we appreciate you uh number one city for the week was Sydney Florida Number two, Carlsbad, California. Number three, San Francisco, California. Number four, Dallas, Texas. And number five, Atlanta, Georgia. So thank you guys for listening, for sharing. As always, share with everybody. Coworker, friend, grandma, girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, person who cut your grass, uh, people who come install your cable. All of them. Just tell them, tell them to listen. We need, we need, we need their ears. Um, oh, and real quick, they didn't make the top uh, five, but I see you, Cairo, Egypt. Uh, where, where are you at? Number 11. <laughs> so, I feel like we made fun of them for a week, and then they came back. So, shout-outs to, uh, to Cairo, Egypt. Alrighty then. So, that was our intro banner. So, we do have a, a good number of fights to talk about uh today we'll be covering a little bit of one championship uh probably just literally a few fights off of that card because i don't think either of us watched it i honestly forgot it was even a thing until like that morning that it came on but we'll give a little brief mention of that uh we'll talk about (laughs) this uh brightest versus uh glowacki fight which was um fight of the year It was something. It, it was something. It was, uh... That, that, well, I, I don't know these gentlemen, so this could be wrong. I'm, I'm going to say that the the names aren't important. You know, 
because I'm pretty sure any, any you know some people hearing this listening probably may not know either of these gentlemen knowing them isn't important it's knowing what happened in this fight that is of the of the utmost importance that that needs to be uh, analyzed <laughs> but we'll cover that uh we'll talk about Tyson Fury and the uh, Tom Schwartz fight which only lasted two rounds and then we'll finish off with uh Bellator 222 um, but before we get into that, it's always got to start with the news, uh, fight news and announcements. Uh, so, uh, just running from the top, a little decent, decent bit of fights, not too many, but a couple of notable, notable ones that I wrote down. Uh, probably the biggest fight that got announced during this past week, Jessica Andrade will be back defending her strawweight title against Weili Zhang. Um, is this, oh, yeah, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. And this is in, this is going to be in China, right? And this is not on a pay per view. No, it's going to be in China. It's going to be on ESPN Plus, um, mainland China. It's in Shen, uh, what is it? Shenzhen, Shenzhen, Shenzhen. Uh, my Mandarin sucks. But uh, yeah, no, mainland China, and it's going to be at ESPN Plus. There we go. So um, is it ESPN? No, I think it's ESPN Plus. I have no idea how they would work out um, getting that on a suitable time on TV. Yeah, time zone difference would be would be kind of wild. Yeah, but uh, I I really like this fight. I saw some people who were not fans. Um, they're the, weird. The debate, <laughs> the, the the debate seems to be between uh Whaley Zhang or and whether or not that Michelle Waterson deserved that spot. Um, I mean I, I get the Waterson argument. I don't explain it to me. <laughs> I, I I think part of it is recency bias. Because the lat we've seen her fight. When, when was her um? Ah, who who did she beat? Terry Nicolakovich in March. Yeah. Ah, so that was a while ago. I don't know why I thought that fight was sooner. Than but I, I went and looked at their last three opponents. Um. I don't know. Like I get it. People like Waterson. I don't know. Like I uh. I get it, kind of, but I, and I could be wrong here, um, Zhang's last opponent was Torres, and Waterson's last po- opponent was Carolina, I don't know who was ranked higher between those two, but I do know, like, wasn't Torres just coming off, um, a fight with Andrade before then? Uh, yeah, no, it was with, uh, Joanna and Jacek. Oh, yeah, 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 Joanna, not Andrade, yeah, Joanna. But either who, like, I don't, I don't, I, I get it, I guess, if you're a Waterson fan, like, you know, you're going to argue for your fighter, I get it, but, can't, like, act like Whaley, because I feel like people are, like, just acting like Whaley Zhang is just kind of some, like, nobody, like, she hasn't been out here putting in work. I think and... people forget that, like, Tisha Torres beat Michelle Waterson. Right, and, you know, MMA math doesn't always add up, but, you know. Tisha beat Wa- Tisha beats Waterson and then Jane beats Tisha, and and what was a really fun and impressive fight, you know. And if if we're not going with a Thug Rose rematch, which obviously we are now, but you know you, you start looking at who's really next in line. It's not like she wasn't up there. Like I feel like some people are just treating her like she just magically leapfrogged the rest of the division. It's like nah, she's kind of been here. She's she's been here. 
Um, this wasn't just some random name they threw out a hat. Now I get it. Like some people are saying, oh, they're only they're only putting her in there because they're trying to expand into the Chinese market, which that could definitely be a part of it. I'm not gonna dismiss. Yeah, it that. absolutely is. But like, she's ready. But it's to not go. like, yeah. Andrade's ready to go. Suarez's neck is hurt. Rose's neck is hurt. Goodell is coming off a loss. Joanna's one in three in her last four, and Lord knows if she's even trying to make strawway anymore. Um. And the answer off is coming off a loss. Like, those are all the women ranked above her. All right. And I can see if Zhang, like, wasn't out here winning. But it's not like she hasn't been putting in the work. Right. Like, this wasn't just some random name they drew out of her head and was like, all right, just give her the title shot. Like, nah, she's she's earned this spot. Like, um, I don't want to, like, I like Michelle Watterson and everything. Do, do you want to see her get tossed on her head like Rose did? Because that's what <laughs> would happen. Yeah, I, I said it last podcast. She's going to go for one of them little judo throws. And, uh, like, yeah. This is the only instance I can remember of Dana Way ever protecting a fighter when he has to go into the Endeavor offices and explain where if they make their girl, Michelle Waterson, who is one of Endeavor's, like, clients, fight with Jessica Andrade, she might come home without a head. Yeah. It, it, that fight could get, and I, I mean, she's gonna get the fight eventually. I feel like, cause she's, you know, she's, she, she's at the top. She's, she's up there in that conversation. So I have no doubt that she'll find herself in a title fight. And I'm a fan of hers. So, so you're more whether, confident in her than I am. Well, I, I think she can get there. I don't know if she'll win. I actually know it to be honest. Um, if Andrade's champ, I, you, if your chances are very, are very slim. Because I, I look at the matchup of her and Andrade, and I don't really see where she holds like an advantage. Because um, you're maybe, not going to be able to just toss Andrade around like that. Yeah, like maybe she can sub her off her back, but like if she's on her back, she's probably got there by being tossed there, not taken down. Right. <laughs> you either got tossed or you got rocked. Either way, it's not going to be a good time. I would say in the meantime, well, I, I don't know, um, injuries permitting, um, uh, Waterson and, and, um, uh, what's the name fight? Joanna. Waterson, Joanna, or Waterson and, um, Suarez. Well, that's the thing, though. We don't know, like, so, the one of the reasons Suarez didn't get this fight is because she hurt her neck in the, uh, the Ansaroff fight. And her neck is actually, like, one of the reasons she had to stop wrestling. Yeah. So, uh, we, we don't know if, um, you know, we don't know if there's, like, a timetable for her to come back. Like, don't forget, like, Rose Namajunas missed most of 2018 because of her neck injury. Like, like, you, you don't play with that type of stuff. Yeah. So... According to, like, she said, like, after the first round, her, like, her, like, I think it was her right side was just completely numb. Like, she just could not feel it, so, that's a scary thought. Yeah. And, I mean, if she has to be, and, uh, I feel like that kind of goes to the point I was making earlier. If she's going to be out, then Waterson will probably get that title shot. She's going to at least be in that conversation. Just mm-hmm. via, she's been winning and availability. Like, she'll be available if they want to make that fight. Right, but we'll we'll see. I, I like the Andrade Jang matchup. Um, I'm rooting for Jang 
really hard. I don't know if she'll win. Um, I, I, think, I will I think say she's that, a tougher opponent than people are giving her credit for. Yeah, because I think aside from Andrade, she probably is one of the like the physically strongest uh, fighters in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think at, at the very least, and not not to compare, but Zhang and Torres are somewhat similar. I think we saw that when they fought. They they they, they are somewhat similar. And Torres was able to give Andrade a, a pretty competitive fight. Um, That's the first part of it. Yeah. So maybe Zhang can do that and just improve on it. Um, I, I think she'll be able to make it competitive. She'll be able to hang until, you know. We'll, until we'll she's see. not anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she's not hanging anymore. But no, I, I think she'll make it a competitive fight. Because um, they're, both, they're both like stupid strong. But Andrade kind of has like that next level strength, but we'll we'll, we'll see what Zhang can do. I, I think she will make it competitive, but that that's gonna be an awesome fight. Um, at UFC San Antonio, we have Leon Edwards versus Rafael Dos Anjos, as well as Alexander Hernandez versus Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, speaking of Tisha Torres at UFC uh, Uruguay, we'll have Tisha Torres versus Marina Rodriguez, and your homie Enrique Barzola versus Bobby Moffitt. Um, at UFC Vancouver, we'll have David Branch versus Andrew Sanchez, and also Uriah Hall versus Antonio Carlos Jr. And at UFC 241, we will have Poliana Botelho and versus Marina Morose, and Sabina Mazo will be making her return against Shayna Dobson. Um, so that's pretty much all the fight announcements I have. Uh, there, there were a couple more, but I, they were they weren't like crazy big fights, so I, I didn't yeah. write them down. They're fighting announcements every week. Let's be real. Yeah. Almost every but, day at this point. Of, of those I named, uh, aside from Andrade and Jang, definitely looking forward to Edwards and Dos Anjos. Um, I like the Torres-Rodriguez fight. The first time we saw Rodriguez, she uh, she threw a lot of hands. A lot of hands. So I think that should be a fun fight. Um, and, of course, the GOAT, Dave Branch. You got to bounce back. <laughs> you got to. We got, we got to get back get back to winning ways. He would have um, fought for the title already if he had been that way heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, well, life life happened. <laughs> but that's all I got for uh, fight announcements. But on to news. Um, so I have three bits of news written down. Uh, well, you want to start with Cyborg, TJ, or Endeavor? Um... Cyborg, just get out the way real quick. Alright, so, I mean, it's not really a large news story, but uh, pretty much after Cyborg's next fight with Felicia Spencer, excuse me, which, that happened in July? August? July. Yeah, uh, after her fight with Felicia Spencer. Actually, I shouldn't uh, say that so confidently if I don't know. One second. I don't know if it's one of those two, but either who, after her next fight with uh, Felicia Spencer, uh, Chris Cyborg says she will be testing free agency. Um, I just thought this was interesting of note because we've kind of talked about this before that Cyborg has done pretty much, I guess, everything you would want to do in this sport. Um, the only reasons for her at this point to really come back to the UFC would be either one, Try to get your, your rematch with Nunez and try to run that back and avenge the loss. 
I mean, really, that's it. Like, because <laughs> aside from Nunes, there's not, especially at 45, there's nobody else really to, you know, nobody else really to throw fisticuffs with, at least in the UFC. So, you know, it's just interesting to see. I'm interested to see, like, where she'll go. I'm, I'm pretty sure in free agency she will have people knocking at her door. Um, even with the Nunes loss, she's still one of the most recognizable faces um, in MMA. The most recognizable face at 45. Um, I don't know where she goes. I mean, if you go to Bellator, I don't know what you fight, like Julia Budd? <laughs> um, Basically. Uh, yeah, Bill Bud, Olga Rubin. Um, I I guess they could do like a Ju- uh the not Julie Kitchen, um, Jarena Bars rematch in their Bellator kickboxing promotion. Hmm. If that's still a thing, who knows anymore? All right. Um, I mean, with Bellator, she at least had the freedom to go like box because I know that's something she wanted to do. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Cause you could fight, you could fight Bud and be a champ still go out and you know box kickbox do do do, do whatever do whatever and, fight endeavors your heart desires and she could go fight in um japan because they yeah. it seems like bellator is pretty open about but uh doing cross promotion with ryzen Rob borg and ryzen rob <laughs> ryzen would give her some wild matchups <laughs> um like I, I don't know like one i guess I don't know who they match her with. Like they they have trouble stacking that like that flyweight division that is basically a strawweight division. But like, I guess they could just pull the random like one seventy pound woman out of Russia because there are a couple of them fighting in Russia right now. Um, she mentioned that she was open to doing wrestling. I, I don't know how well her athleticism carries over into uh, pro wrestling, but that's an option for her, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. Her her career, it... it well, I, I don't know. That, and that, that's why I wrote this down, because it's kind of hard to tell that her... We don't really know where her career is kind of headed at this point. Like, she, she has options, but it's just kind of... You know which way are you really trying to go? If you stick with MMA, I, I feel like Bellator is probably the probably the best move because you can go to Bellator, most likely become champ, um, and still kind of be able to do what you want outside of Bellator. Like you said, you could still you could box, you could kickbox, you could fight in Ryzen because uh, you know Coker kind of lets his fighters. He, you know they can kind of do their thing outside of Bellator. So I feel like that would be a good option. Um, yeah, or you could go wrestle. Oh, no, she just, she, she has options. She, she does have options. And I, I think we all knew at some point the UFC thing was only going to last but so long just because of how thin that division is in general. And so, how much animosity there is between Cyborg and the promotion. Right. <laughs> so we all knew this was, this day was coming, but now it's like, all right, well, now we're like, we're almost here. Um, I think that I I think it just comes down to what happens in the uh, the Amanda Nunes Holly Holm fight because Nunes has been pretty open about uh, wanting to rematch Cyborg. I think um, she came out and said she wanted that fight again, um, and that's probably the biggest fight they could do for her. 
Yeah, like if they plan on keeping this 145 division around for a while, if uh, Nunes just blows through Holly Holm um, this summer, like Cyborg is little like like the Cyborg rematch is basically what they have left for her until they can get Aspen Ladd or Irene Aldana or I guess Jermaine Durand to me like re- uh, not ready but like media ready for like a title shot. All right. I guess though, if and I don't know what Cyborg's mindset is during all this. I think she's looking for some, maybe something new on top of just some consistency. Right. So it's like if I if I if you go in and you beat Spencer, like I, I think we're all predicting would happen. Then it's like all right, I wait maybe for the winner of Holly Nunez, especially if it's Nunez. But then it's like if I do the Nunez fight. It re- really, if I win or lose, or I guess if you win, you do a trilogy. I, I guess you that would probably be the move. Um, but it just seems like no matter what she does in the UFC, like there's not a lot left. Like outside of Nunes, and I, I, I like Holly, but I don't really know if I care to see them fight again. I mean, I would watch, but I'm not like clamoring for that fight. Like there's enough. There were enough like really bizarre, dumb takes about Holly Holm being robbed that I, see, I could see the UFC being like, yo, we need to run this fight back again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, yeah. And then, you know, just, just to throw the alternate uh, reality out there, hypothetically speaking, if Spencer wins somehow, um, I don't know, I think she just probably just wipes her hands clean. I mean, if you go from losing to the champ to losing to Spencer, who's you know, a good fighter in her own right, but I I don't know. I just I don't know. I, I feel like if I don't know. I, I see I see her leaving either way, unless the Nunes fight just becomes a thing. Because outside of that, I I don't really see her motivation to even stay. But I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't mind seeing her uh, over in Bellator or the Arena Bars fight. I actually, would be I w- I would love to see them fight again. Man, it, could, just, it could be what they need to get that that Bellator kickboxing moving, or like just get people to freaking watch it. Right. <laughs> probably be the, one of the. No, it probably would be the biggest fight that that Bellator kickboxing would ever have. Yep. And it'd be good to just get some eyes on uh, Urena Bars. If you guys haven't seen her fight, she's she's awesome. She's a uh, she's really really good. So. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Chris Cyborg, uh, what she does with free agency. That, that'll be happening pretty soon. Um, you want to cover the Endeavor? Like, I, I knew about it, but I didn't really uh, read into it. And, and he, There's not a bunch to talk about right now. Um, Endeavor is in talks with Al Heyman to buy the PBC and have him stay on in a um, his advisory role. Where he's an advisor to basically all the fighters on the PBC roster. Um, I don't like monopolies. Like, and one company owning seventy five percent of the combat sports landscape just seems like a recipe for like bad. Um, yeah, no, I don't like. I really don't like that. Um. Yeah, there's not, there's not a lot left to say until we find out what um, Endeavor is 
looking to sink into it or what they're trying to do with it or who they hire to replace Heyman as the promotional figurehead. Uh, if they hire anybody, they might just keep Heyman on in that role. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, I, I don't like it. I really don't. <clears throat> so with this, well, like I said, it's kind of hard to tell because we don't really know what they're doing with it. But is this <laughs> what Zoo for Boxing was going to be? I guess. I, I I assume Zufa Boxing was a thing that Dana White was going to do on his own. But he got into somebody's ear at Endeavor and they just started looking at, like... Uh, uh, so uh, Endeavor's finances are bad. Like, they are in a bad spot right now. They're... Um, I, it, it, I, I wish I had the report in front of me. Like, the UFC is basically one of the few Endeavor properties that is actually making money. Um, I don't know if you heard about the strike, the, uh, the talent strike that was going on earlier this year, that hit Endeavor, um, like a whole bunch of people left, it's crazy, there's a, there's, there was a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but being, they're not making the money they thought they'd be making, um, sans the UFC, apparently the, the UFC, like, the way the, the pay structure is broken up, Endeavor doesn't actually get that much. Like, it's broken up between, like, a bunch of the smaller financiers, uh, financiers, like, who get a larger percent of the money. So, my my theory is that uh, Endeavor is looking to do the same thing with the PVC, and it's just a way to keep their investors happy, as opposed to make Endeavor money. So, I don't know. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. Like I said, not not a ton of details have really been uh, released or flushed out, so it's kind of hard to speculate even what's going to happen, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and the last news story, uh, TJ Dillashaw, he, uh, he's back in the news. Uh, he was on Chael Sonnen's podcast, who uh, another guy we'll be talking about later, <laughs> but uh, this is, I think, pretty much like TJ, TJ's first kind of like big I guess you could say, like, interview after he's, or since he's been suspended. Um, so I'm going to read a quote uh, from Sure Dog, written by Cole Shelton. Uh, so I'm just going to read a little bit of this. So basically, TJ was on uh, Chael Sonnen's podcast. And just to read some of the quotes, uh, he said, uh, Let's start off. First and foremost, I cheated. Uh, I don't want to run around that. That's why I even announced it when you saw it was coming out. I didn't want to create excuses. And then he goes on to say, um, I decided to take something I knew I wasn't allowed to take. Uh, it's called Procrit. It's an anemia medication that would help me not only make the weight, but be myself. And you know, <laughs> I'm not mad at it because I don't think I could have taken the fight. I'm obviously gonna own, going to own up to that. Going, ah, going to own up that I cheated. I got caught. It's a rough one, man. It's hard not to hate yourself a little bit. I don't know. It's a tough one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pr- pretty much in a nutshell from what I'm reading from this article, he basically just took the whatever Procrit is to kind of help him, I guess, safely make the weight and, like, still be able to be TJ. Uh, obviously, it didn't work, <laughs> as, as we saw. But that's pretty much the, the gist of it. Um 
I don't know, not, not really a lot to unpack, because, I mean, the results of the situation have already been handed down. We're, we're not going to see TJ for two years, but, I don't know, he came out, he said what he did. I'm, I'm at least happy that he didn't give, a, you know, a lot of dudes give some crazy wild stories, like, oh, uh, I, I don't know. Some guy yeah. injected me in the locker room and right. <laughs> tell me what it was for. Yeah, some ran, some fan ran by me on the street and stabbed me with a needle. <laughs> like, you know, he didn't give some crazy lavish excuse. You know, so I, I I respect that he at least came out and said, you know, yeah, I did it. It is, you know, I, I did it. Here's why I did it, and you know, it sucks that I did it, but this is kind of just what happened. So, at least on that front, I I, I can respect it. Um, Boy, did that not work, though. Was it really worth it? And then, <laughs> it's kind of wild, because I saw this floating around on Twitter. But it kind of makes you think, uh, rewinding time back to when, uh, you know, everybody wanted Demetrius Johnson to go up and fight uh, TJ, or for TJ to come down and, and fight Mighty Mouse. And DJ was like, yeah, you know, we can take the fight, but I'm going to need some more money, and, um, you know... Because we don't know if he can make the weight, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And people said DJ was ducking and, you know, all that stuff. And then this happens. So, DJ was right. <laughs> Had he taken that fight, I imagine the same thing would have happened. And it would have been a, a whole fiasco. But, I don't know, and you got any thoughts on, on, on Dillashaw? Uh, not really. I mean, easy to make a ton, a ton of excuses, or maybe the story was an excuse. Maybe he's been taking EPO the entire time and just never got caught. And his excuse was, "Oh, I was trying to make 125." Um, like we knew it was a bad fight before the UFC made it. So, you know. Uh, like, I, I don't really, like, it is, it is what it is, like, I, I don't belabor the point too much, because, like, like, like the Diaz brothers say, everybody is on steroids, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but I just wanted to throw that out there, just in case people didn't know, but that's, uh, pretty much it for news. And notes for the week. So, let's move on to some fights. Um, I want to start with one championship just to kind of get it out the way because we're not really going to spend much time on this at all. Um, but one championship did have a card that went down very early Saturday morning. Uh, one championship, Legendary Quest. A um, couple of notable fights. Uh, the main event was a non-stomp. Uh, non-stop Fairtex, right? Uh, non... Is that his? They, they just have a list as non-stop on Topology, so... But Topology. I think you're right, I think it is Fairtex. Yeah. Uh, non-stop took on uh, Alma Juniku, if I'm saying that correct. Uh, this is a Muay Thai bout at uh, 115 pounds. Um, I did not get a chance to see the fight. Um, non-stop got the nod, but from what I've been he hearing through the Twitter streets... Through the grapevine, uh, that this was a, a bad decision. 
I cannot confirm nor deny either way, but I saw a lot of people saying they did not agree with this decision at all. But either way, nonstop. Uh, but she, well, she, she was already champ, correct? Yes. I want to say? Yeah, so she retained her belt. Um, but I'll have to go back and watch the fight because I didn't get a chance to see it, so I can't really. Well, I didn't see any of these fights I'm going to mention because I didn't know the car it was a thing until Saturday morning, but I was at work, so couldn't really watch it. And it was on Bleacher Report, which I'm not paying for. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so nonstop uh, retained her uh, her title. Uh, the co-main event, uh, the debut, Sexyama, Yoshihiro Akiyama uh, took on Agalon Thani. Uh, from the clips that I saw, this fight looked like it was really fun, uh, but Thani ended up getting the unanimous decision. Uh, from the clips I saw, it looked like a nice, fun, you know, just middleweight, fist-to-cuff fight. <laughs> you know, one of those, uh, I don't know, Thani's not a tough dad, because he's pretty young, isn't he? I want to say he's still in, like, his 20s, I want to say. Akiyama's definitely a dad, though. He, he's in the 40-year-old. Oh, yeah, no, he, he's a kid and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, like he's, he's married to, like, an idol. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's living the best of the tough dad life. Uh, but he took an L. Um, like I said, I can't really give specifics because I didn't see it. But from the highlights, it looked like a fun fight. So I'll have to go back and uh, check this one out. And then I guess just to... Oh, they don't have this separated by main card. Do they? They do not. So I don't know where the main card stops and the other one ends. But other fights on here. Uh, uh, had a kickboxing bout. Chen Lanzong. He's from Glory, right? I feel like he fights in Glory. I looked it up. I feel like he is from Glory. But Chen Lanzong uh, fought Tyler Hodcastle. Uh, he won via KO in the first round. Uh, another Muay Thai bout. Hanzin Hao versus Andrew Miller. Uh, Hanzi Hao won via TKO. And round two, and last fight I'll mention, only because I actually remember his name. Oh, Anderson Silva was on this card. Oh, he lost. Rennick. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot, because he's uh, over in one now, yeah. Anderson Silva, not Anderson Anderson, but kickboxing Anderson Silva. Uh, he lost to Tariq Cabez uh, via unanimous decision. And do do do. Oh, the other fight I wanted to mention, uh, Koyomi uh, Matsushima. Uh, defeated um, Kwan via decision. I just remember Matsushima <laughs> from the uh, the Gaffroff fight. I think that was like his debut. Oh, and he right. got, yeah, he came in and he got <laughs> he got Gaffroff out of there. So glad to see him win because he's, he's a new face over in one, and you know might be somebody to, to possibly keep an eye on. So shouts to him. Um, that's pretty much it for one championship. Um, I'm gonna let you handle. This next fight, the uh, the brightest and uh, <laughs> Glowaki uh, spectacle. All right. <laughs> but before we get to the fight of the year, um, brightest versus Glowaki. Uh, let me how to let's, real quick the other. Uh, <clears throat> I guess you could call it the co-main event of this fight. Um, so the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament uh, had its semifinals on was it, is it was Saturday? So yeah, Saturday. Um, the two uh, semifinal bouts were Uniel Dorticos versus Andrew Tabidi and Maris Bridas versus I'm not Christoph Glovaki. Um, <clears throat> the Dorticos Tabidi fight was ugly. Uh, Tabidi looked like he was 
just not ready for this level of a fight. Like, headbutting, grabbing, pulling the head down, just, like, did everything he could to stop Dortigos from coming forward. Um, did not work. Ended up getting knocked out in the 10th round. And there's an over, um, not uh, like a little, uh, there's a photo of him, split, like an overhead shot of him splayed out on the canvas. That, oh, that, uh, it's the type of thing only boxing can give us. It, it looks like a Renaissance painting. But uh, I'm going <laughs> to send it to you real quick. But, uh, I have to send it to Messenger, though, because uh, it's on my phone. Send. All right. There you go. He is just. That is a man. That is a man who uh, had a rough night. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh. Yeah, no, it was Gee. a rough night for Mister Tabidi. Uh, um, I later found out that he took a picture with Drake, like the week before, and posted on Instagram. So, the Drake tur- the curse continues. Well, it worked for Toronto. They overcame it somehow. Well, it only worked for Toronto because Drake doesn't have any of their players tattooed on his body like he does with Kevin <laughs> Durant and Steph Curry. <laughs> this picture looks like one of those videos that starts off like, I bet you're wondering how I got here. It all started. <laughs> it all started when I signed the bout agreement. Jesus. Yeah. But this is Great picture, the, though. It is a, yeah. It's, I, I love overhead photos. I wish you had more of them. Um... But um, this was not the uh, craziest thing to happen on this card. Uh, in the other semifinal, we had the local, the local man. Um, I want to say he was Lat- he's Latvia's first world champion, Myra um, Baitis versus uh, Christoph Glavaki. Um, it was three rounds of just complete and other. Like chaos in the best and worst way possible. Um, in the second round, Glavaki get, uh, hits Brightest with a rabbit shot, uh, a shot behind the head uh, from the clinch position. Uh, not even the clinch position. He, he like it was like an overhand right that he just turned into a hammer fist and brought down on Brightest's head. The the ref not even bothering to call it. Just separates them. They tie up again, and Brightus delivers the most metal world piece back elbow <laughs> across Kavaki's jaw that knocks Kavaki down. The ref takes a point, but not before telling Kavaki to get the fuck up. <laughs> no type of sympathy whatsoever. It was Kind of shocking to watch Pappet in real time. Oh, I forgot to mention, before the fight, this fight was refereed by Robert Bird, who many of you probably know as Adelaide Bird's husband. If you know who Adelaide Bird is, uh, go watch the first Canelo Glovkin fight. Yeah, and listen to the scorecards very carefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Robert Bird, before the fight, goes, as they're having their little thing in the middle, the middle of the ring, basically says... You're both big guys. I'm not getting in there to stop you. When I say stop, stop. Um, so, you know, it was that type of refereeing. And this is really important for what happens at the end of the second round. But back to Govaki getting 
just elbowed like the shit out of like in uh, like he he's forcing it up like 20 seconds later he gets knocked down by brightest obviously this man is not well he 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 was not he might have been concussed from the back elbow um but whatever he manages to get up uh he gets on steady feet and starts like you know exchanging in the pocket with brightest the bell rings uh, Bird does not hear the bell ring, apparently. And they continue the fight for, like, another 10 to 15 <laughs> seconds. And they're just slugging. They are <laughs> swinging. Like, both guys' corners hop onto the apron in an effort to get the referee's attention so that he stops the bout and they can go to their corners. And Bird, finally, finally noticing that the bell has been ringing for, like, Hat, like a quarter of a minute now, tries to step in, but Brightest proceeds to knock Glavaki down. <laughs> and, oh, everybody's just losing their fucking mind. The commentator, the audience. Oh, that commentator was heated. <laughs> corner. Robert Bird proceeds to count uh, count, uh, give the, give Govaki the eight, uh, Govaki the eight count, goes to the guy in the, who's doing the bell and proceeds to blame him for not ringing it loud enough. He said, he said, uh, I, I want to say, and I quote, I, I can't call it if I can't hear it. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Um, mind you, literally everybody else in the arena heard it. The common—I don't know the name of the commentator—the uh, commentator crew. Um, but one of the commentators was very clear. I can hear it, just really loudly. Um, and Brightus apparently could hear it because he's like at, immediately after the fight, while they're giving his interview, he's like, "No, I can hear the bell." <laughs> I, so you know, it was just—it was one of those instances where. Maybe you shouldn't have the 78-year-old man refereeing the fight between the two 200-plus-pound uh, bombers who's willing to get in there and separate them in these instances of uh, yeah, chaos and dysfunction. Um, but yeah, no, uh, the fight wouldn't go on for much longer. Govaki would end up getting knocked out in the next round on the uh, like 30 seconds and... Uh, Brightus is through to the final. He will be facing Dorticos unless the World Boxing Super Series is like, yeah, no, we can't allow this shit. Uh, that that fight just... That fight didn't count anymore. <laughs> you guys have to run it back. And Robert Bird is not allowed to be the referee. Um, apparently Robert Bird got banned from Latvia from roughing in Latvia. I'm not sure if that's true or if it was somebody like, taking the piss, but I like to believe it's true. Um... Yeah, no, what, just wackiness. Like, it, it, <clears throat> when the rules aren't followed in combat sports, it just becomes a street fight and a circus. And you got to appreciate these moments of just the veneer being ripped off of what's actually happening in the ring. Yeah, uh, put this on Twitter, man, because it's a gift that keeps giving. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> these, these little moments, you have to treasure these. These these are these are little gems. Yeah. Uh, which is f- 
Spunky, uh, he's lunacy, lunacy. Um, I'm I'm excited for the final. Brightus is fun. Dorticos is fun. It should make for a fun scrap. I actually like all the World Boxing Super Series finals. They got Reggie Price versus Josh Taylor. Um, now now you're Inoue versus whoever he's about to knock the fuck out. Um, and now they got Dorticos and Brightus, and there's a nice little three P. So if you're looking for if you guys a the zone description uh subscription for the rest of the year, you got three fights to look forward to. Uh, hopefully just get referees that can hear bells from here on out. You you mean someone who probably doesn't need the assistance of a hearing aid? <laughs> it was and it, it just looks so bad because like I'm not gonna lie, in real time when the bell first rung, I didn't hear it. I think I was so focused because they were still fighting. So I was just looking at the fight like, oh, they're really like, like I said, they were swinging, swinging. Like, they were going for the fences. And then probably about five seconds later, I was like, oh, that sounds like a fire alarm. Like, <laughs> like it just, the bell was ringing, like, and it kept going off. And it just, yeah, it was, it was, it's like something out of a movie. Like, the villain's, like, having his dirty moment. Mm-hmm. So he just keeps fighting after the bell is over. That's exactly what this looked like. But, um, hey, man, you know. I guess you, you fight until the ref tells you to stop. So I'm not going to blame him. Because, I mean, it's not like the well, other guy was going to stop swinging. So, yeah. So, neither uh, one of them was going to stop swinging. fought this so. weekend, and he was not the most chaotic man in the ring. Like, that that's crazy to me. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was actually a little more, you know. I know, I lost sense. Fight. No fight. How bad? I would say no, no, no uh, fights broke out in the crowd. Oh, there he is. Hello. Yep. He he disappeared for like a like a solid thirty seconds. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, it's all good. Hopefully, it got us. Well, we'll still hear people. Hopefully, y'all still hear. But um, nah, yeah, I was uh, just saying, yeah, like Tyson Fury, his fight, no, no fights broke out in the crowd. He didn't. I mean, the, the fight didn't go tame. long enough for him a fight to break out in the crowd, which is surprising. That is true. Yeah, because he wanted to fight during his fight, and you needed to punch somebody in the jaw, like, right after the bell rung, because uh, he didn't give you much time. So, yeah, we'll just move on to the uh, Tyson Fury and uh, Tom Swartz fight. Uh, I watched this this morning. I couldn't stay up last night. I was tired. I was old. I went to sleep. But um, won't won't take you guys too long to rewatch this fight. Didn't last all that long. Um, pretty much in the first round, you know, Fury came out doing his little Dr. Eggman. He, he literally is like 90% leg. It's kind of wild. But first round, I feel like he just kind of touched up. You know, if you've seen Fury, you kind of know lots of, lots of movement. Um, kept Tom at range, touched him up with a jab, caught him with a couple one-twos. It, it was a feel-out round, but you still kind of got the sense like, all right, Swartz. He's, uh, you're not getting a ton done here, and he's kind of just, it felt like Fury was just, like, getting warmed up, like, he was, uh, he was doing, like, a test run, like, all right, let me see if this guy's actually going to do anything, and then second round comes, and then Tyson Fury switches to Southpaw, and then, <laughs> he just, he just starts mauling Swartz, I ain't going to say mauling, but he, he starts, uh, what's, what's the word, schooling, um, toying with, um, I don't call it a mauling because it, it wasn't like vicious, 
but it was more so like I know I'm better than you. Like you're not, we're not, we're not doing the same sport right now. Right? Yeah, you don't really belong in here. So I'm gonna switch to southpaw and I'm gonna have fun. And boy, did he start boxing sports up, man! No, uh, like he knocked him out from southpaw. <laughs> like, he, was, he he caught him with that uppercut probably like four times. The, the one-twos did start to get a little harder. And then anytime Swartz thought he had something going, Fury hit the Matrix defense on him where he just kind of... One shoulder, other shoulder. Do- like, along the yeah. ropes. He, there, there's a sequence in the middle of the second round where Schwartz has Fury along the ropes. And Fury just very simply and very smoothly, like, he, like as if he's not a man who is 6'9", and 268 pounds proceeds to just make him miss five times in a row before yeah. ducking out and hitting him with an uppercut to the body. And he didn't look the least bit worried. Like, he was dodging those punches like he saw this in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and then, to get even more disrespectful, he starts putting both of his hands down. Like, He's literally walking forward with both hands, like, at his wayside. Like, complete, utter disrespect and disregard for anything Schwartz had. And, um, I don't even remember the, the punch that down. I just remember his hands coming down to his waist, and he just started to kind of just beat on Schwartz. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, he took him to school. That's, that's pretty much what happened. I think, uh, Schwartz had a little bit of blood on, like, his nose. Um, they knock him down once or twice. Uh, I want to say twice, but so yeah, I think he knocked him down twice. Cause I think the second one was when the ref stepped in. Like he, he should, they should just called the fight when he missed all those punches along the fence, uh, the ropes because it was just like, yeah, like you obviously are not just meant to be here. I'm sorry, go right. home. Right. The, those, those were your best shots of the night, and you didn't land. <laughs> you didn't land any like of the them. Ba- the back, <laughs> it's not even that he didn't land. He didn't even come close. He didn't even touch him. Mm. Five shots. He's six eight. He's not a small target, and you couldn't hit him once. And that's got to be like a confidence killer. Like, not only is this dude boxing my face up, but when I finally get my offense off, like I can't land anything. <laughs> yeah, he. It, I mean, it was one of those fights, and I'm not going to act like I don't really know Tom Schwartz, but I'm assuming that he's not people probably knew he's not, a, yeah. he's not a top 20 heavyweight. Yeah, this was a squash match. This was a showcase fight for Fury. Like, I'm going to just go out and kind of show you guys what I can do. This was and, a fight I mean, where he was guaranteed, like, I want to say he was guaranteed, like, $12 million for it by uh, ESPN. Mm, easy money. Easy money. <laughs> easy money. And, I mean, good on Fury. I'm glad he didn't drag this out for 12 rounds. Um, he got him out of there, man. He looked really good. Dude, this is why I keep saying he's the most skilled heavyweight. It's just that skills at heavyweight don't mean anything. A lot of the time, I should say. Like, yeah, it only take, it takes one punch to knock all that skill out the window. Right. Um, but now, if you, if you want to see a schoolage, I mean, and it's only two rounds, so you, you ain't going to be there for that long. Probably about what, six minutes, right. six seven minutes. Go, uh, go give that fight a look. He he uh he took Tom Schwartz to school and just kind of, yeah, 
It was like it, it, it was one of those. Yeah, like like Dyson Fury is easily one of the best defensive heavyweights in boxing you've probably ever seen. Yeah, Man, it, he is very such a shame. He's not a little bit better of a person, but. It's crazy how disgraceful he is. Somebody who moved, who's like that big. This is a dude who like was most famous for the longest time for punching himself in the in the face in the middle of a fight. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, he got sports out there via second round TKO. Did you catch any of the, the undercard? Yes, I saw the uh, the Jesse Hart um, Sullivan Barrera fight. Was super surprised with how it went, but. That that um, I'm not gonna call it a cheap shot. Though you probably could qualify as a cheap shot in the second round. Seems you just take Sullivan Barrera just completely out of the fight. They tied up in this really awkward angle where like, oops, excuse me. Um, you want make all right. Um, they tied up in this really awkward angle. Um, Barrera, Barrera had his one arm glazed over, um, but he is basically just completely backwards and not facing, uh, Hart, and Hart hits him with an uppercut with his arm that just happens to be underneath his, uh, Barrera's left arm, and, it, like, you see, from that point on, he was really just concussed, uh, Barrera, and, but he, he battled through, it was a close fight in the cards, but, like, he never looked comfortable in that fight, it was a lot of grabbing, um, a lot of getting tagged clean and then trying to fire back, but just ending up in like, in a tie-up. Um, but big win for Hart. Like, huge win. Um, this dude who was uh, down at like, 68 had lost to uh, Gilberto Ramirez. So, it is a huge win for him. Um, I don't remember where Sergey Kovalev, uh, Kovalev ended up, but that's probably his next fight. If he if uh, if he can get it with ESPN. And you catch uh oh, I got it pulled up in front of me. What's this? Michaela Meyer. Uh. And Lizbeth Crespo. No, ESPN Plus wouldn't let me open the damn card to catch the fight. So like, the first like fifteen twenty minutes of um, the the Fury card like the from ten to like ten twenty. I was just sitting there with a blank screen, like, wondering where the hell is the Michaela Mayer fight. And I go on Twitter, and people are tweeting about it, and they're like, oh, it's in a different window. And I go try to open the different window, and then the top rank is just like, nope, the fight's over. Or not not the fight's over. Uh, the fight's inex- unex- uh, inaccessible at the moment. Please check back later. I was really upset about it. So thanks, ESPN Plus. You dicks. <laughs> So we paid monthly subscription for this trash. But, uh, yeah, so that was uh, Tyson Fury schooling uh, Tom Schwartz. So that leads us all to the uh, main crux of the episode, uh, Bellator 222, which went down at Madison Square Garden, uh, headlined by Roy McDonald and Neiman Gracie. Uh, on paper, this was a really awesome card, a lot of good matchups. And from what I saw, it was a pretty good card, man. I was pretty entertained, uh, but we will run this from the top. Uh, as I said earlier, headlined by Roy McDonald and Neiman Gracie, and this was the semifinal for the uh, welterweight uh, tournament that Bellator has been holding over this 
past year or however long it's <laughs> it's been going. But um, I'll, I'll say off off jump. Even though Neiman Gracie lost, I was actually pretty impressed. Um, I think it was a fight that he he definitely lost, but considering that I think this was like his tenth MMA fight, he was nine and zero coming in. I want to say something like that. E- either way, if you compare, yeah, if you compare experience between Gracie and McDonald, I mean, you, obviously we know like McDonald's literally probably had like double the fights that Neiman has had, and we all know. We know Roy's accomplishments. We know what he what he's done in this sport, so on and so forth. Um, I, I thought it was good on Gracie that he he didn't get like completely destroyed or you know he had moments. He held his own. To to me, he did. So I wasn't impressed on that end. Like there were a couple of moments where he actually was able to get Roy down. He was going for submissions. He tried tried a couple knee bars. Um, Oh, see, it was some other submission I feel like he, he went for. But e- either way, he was going for submissions. He had a couple of moments where he was getting Rory in bad spots, but also good on Rory because every bad spot that he got put in, he was pretty much able to get out of. Um, it wasn't like a super... I'm trying to think of the word. This fight wasn't like a bloodbath because it was like a lot of grappling, a lot of... Battling for position, transitions. There weren't wasn't like a ton of striking going on, at least on the feet. Um, a lot of this did take place on the ground, but I I was impressed that Roy was able to get out of a lot of bad spots. Um, he dealt more of the damage. It, it seemed like by like the fifth round, Neiman was he actually got a takedown early, but he wasn't able to do much, much with it. Um. But yeah, like Roy in in the in the bits that stood on the feet, I think we all knew who the better striker was, and Roy was more than able to hold his own on the ground. And actually, there were moments where he took Neiman down and initiated takedowns and got off some ground and pound. Um, like I said, Neiman just wasn't really able to get like a consistent offense, but he had moments where he was threatening, making it a competitive fight. Um, and good, good on Rory for I feel like in every Rory fight he somehow gets his nose busted. Yeah, <laughs> I think his nose it looked like it was intact after this. Um, he wasn't bleeding all over the place, so that was a good sign. So Rory left this fight, you know, probably a little banged up, but you know, not as bad as we've seen in probably like his past two to three, probably even more. Um, but no, it, it was a cool fight. I I, I like what Rory did. He, he got out of a lot of bad spots. He he won his uh retains his belt. This is kind of the final I wanted because I want to see Lima. I, I want to see Lima be champ, and I want him to take it from Roy. So I, I got the fight I wanted. So I'm I'm happy. But props to Neiman though, man. Like a, a new face in Bellator and got all the way to the semifinals. Fell short to Roy, which is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, nah, cool cool fight though. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, don't really have a lot to add. Um. It, it, it felt kind of, not like a return to form for Rory, but it felt more in line with, like, what we're used to seeing of Rory. You know, it didn't get, the pace wasn't too high. He was in control for most of the bout, and um, when he got taken down, he kind of didn't have a lot to offer there in terms of just, like, being able to uh, put off his back. 
Uh, managed to get back to his feet, I guess. But, um, yeah, no, it was like a typical Rory performance, um, which, after the John Fish performance, is a little heartening, I guess, just because he, he really seems like he didn't want to be there anymore. So. Yeah, he, he looked like he had a little more energy. He was a little more umph. Right. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it was a... It was weird though, cause did you see the video of the John Fitch in the back? Like, I think it was during like the weigh-ins, cause he was I don't know was he like an alternate or something? They they kept showing him. He was I saw videos of him. He was there. I don't know why. Um, Stug sent me a thing. Sent us a thing actually. Saying, did you guys see that John Fitch was going to be at Masters Garden? Uh, maybe it was an alternate. Maybe Lee was hurt. They were just like waiting to spring the fact that it's going to be John Fitch, Brian McDonald too. For the uh, the, the Grand Prix Championship, uh, we all right. Let me just <laughs> yeah. put that out there. Yeah, we, we all right. <laughs> but um, nah, man. So at some point in the future, we'll have Roy McDonald versus Neiman. Uh, not Neiman versus uh Douglas Lima, and I'll be looking forward to it, man. Uh, and good to see that Roy is kind of returning to form in this fight because. You're going to need it against Lima. Def, definitely going to need it against Lima. Um, so, cool main event. Congrats to Roy retaining his belt. And definitely looking forward to seeing Neiman Gracie. I think he's got a pretty good future. If he can just keep on improving. Um, Co-main event. Speaking of the 205ers, Leota Machida, Chel Sonnen. Um, hmm, where, where do I even start with this? I mean... With the Chell fight, you you all you already know what Chell's gonna do. I don't think Chell's game plan ever changes. <laughs> it doesn't matter who he's fighting. It doesn't matter what style they have. It doesn't matter what their um, attributes are, what they're good at, what they're terrible at. Chell's gonna rush in. He's gonna close distance. He's gonna shoot, and he's gonna try to get you down. And pretty much what this was tried to shoot on Machida but we all know Machida does actually have pretty good uh takedown defense they had some moments clinching against the cage uh, my, my only and we, we've seen this with Chael um I think you kind of see this with wrestlers sometimes too that they're they're really devoted to the game plan which I get you know push for it take you down beat you up so on and so forth but in being so devoted I feel like trying to think of a way to describe this not only do they leave themselves open sometimes but like there are just certain things that happen during the fight repeatedly that it's like i don't know if you guys are just ignoring this or you just don't care but if you keep letting him land this certain strike it's gonna come back to get you because <laughs> a lot of what machida landed was the same things over and over again like he caught chael with like the same body kick <laughs> like a, a good four to five times and I get it, Chels is trying to, like, I'm just push through this, whatever, whatever. But it's like, you can't just keep eating those, because even in Machida's older age, you know, he might not be as fast um, as he used to be. But dude is still crafty, and he's still smart. He knows what you're trying to do. So he's going to capitalize if you keep kind of just giving him the same reads. So he lands a lot of good body kicks, and then in the first round, uh, Chell goes for a takedown, and Machida just flying knees the man's head off props to chill for surviving i thought he's gonna be out 
And Machida landed a lot of ground and pound. And, you know, prop to Chell, he toughed it out and was able to get back to his feet. And then it was wild because in the second round, it's like he got caught with the exact same thing. Like, body kicks, gets caught with, like, the same knee, <laughs> and then eats more ground and pound, except this time he didn't get back up. And, you know, impressive win from Machida. You land two flying knees in a fight. Um, a, good, a good highlight real finish for him. And uh, not not so good finish for Chell, but... With with Chael, I think with every Chael fight, like I said, you know what you're gonna get. We we know what the game plan is. Um, yes, he, he got caught. Mm -hmm. he got caught with a with, with a knee. Yep, stepping knee, like you know, you're gonna make yourself vulnerable to that if you're shooting takedowns from like five feet out. And he was just like pathologically aggressive with it. He did not want to exchange with Leo Machida at all. Um. Yeah, no, props to Machida. Um, like, they give him the right matchup. The dude can still, you know, do the karate thing and uh, just, like, give us, like, the spectacular knockout finishes that, you know, we've seen from him in the past. Like, he's not too far removed from um, face-kicking Vitor Belfort into oblivion. Feel me? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, this wasn't one of the fights I was interested in, to be honest with you. But I'm happy Machida got a win. He's still, he, he's not fighting dudes like I, I say he's not fighting dudes like Gegard Musasi. But you know they're trying to make that rematch happen because Gegard yeah. wants it, and he's fighting next week, and the the timing's just too perfect. Um, but yeah, no, um, props to Machida pick up the win. He talked about in the uh, post fight conference thing that uh, he wanted to fight in Japan. Um, so, uh, before his career is over, so, you know, be on the lookout for Machida and Ryzen, I guess. Um, right. <laughs> I guess we could talk about Chael, um, deciding to hang it up. Chael's not one of those dudes, I believe, is looking to hang it up. So. Think we'll, you think we'll see him back in, like, three, four months? We'll, we'll see when... When Chuck Odell finds a promoter depraved enough to give him a fight, no. we will see Chael Sonnen there. No. We, we can't put that in the atmosphere. Mm. <laughs> we can't put that in the atmosphere. But, uh, yeah, he, he did decide to hang it up. Um, I'll, I'll ask you something, because I, I saw this uh, uh, this morning on Twitter. That uh, had a couple of people in the uproar. Did you see the the post fight uh, with him and uh, I think it was Brett Akimoto? No, what did he say? Okay, so it, it, it's, it's a real uh, quick clip. It's like eighteen seconds. So if anybody knows uh, Chael Sonnen a little bit about his history, like he he's always had this thing of like he promised his dad um, before he died that he would become a champion, and you know thus far, unfortunately, that hasn't happened. He had a snag in WEC, which they mentioned during the broadcast. You guys can go back and do the history on that but the, up to this this point you know it, it hasn't happened and during the press uh post-fight press conference uh brett asked him um he said uh just, just to paraphrase he's like i got one more question for you he said i'm you know sorry if this is kind of personal and tough but he was like you know I, I remember you saying um you know that you you know before you hung it up you promised your dad that you would be champ so on and so forth and I think he asked him, um, if you could talk to your dad right now, like, what would you tell him? And Chell 
you know, obviously got like a little emotional and he just said, I'll just tell him like I tried. And a lot of people thought that was kind of like a dick question to ask. Um, where, where, where do you fall on that? And I guess it's kind of hard for you because you didn't really see the video. Right. I mean, but, you know. Maybe that's something you don't ask him immediately after a, after a tough a fight where he gets knocked out. Like, may, may you sit on that for a couple of days and you wait for like a follow-up interview where like you ask him about like what his life plans are and stuff like that afterwards. Mm. Give him some time. But, um... I mean, I'm not too. I'm not. I'm not gonna fall too hard on them for asking that question. Yeah, I, I see both sides. I, I don't think he was trying to be a jerk. Just like listening to like the tone of his voice, I don't think he was trying to. You know, I don't. I don't think there was any like malice at play. You know. Right. I I I don't believe that at all. Um, was it a bit? I, and I get it. You know, you're a journalist. You gotta ask the tough questions. Um, yeah, I don't know that I, I'm not going to bash Brett. Cause like I said, I, I don't think he had bad intentions by doing it. Yeah. Just maybe, maybe the timing probably wasn't, a. you know, that, that might be a, a question you save for, you know, th- this fight has simmered down a little bit. Maybe we're like a couple weeks removed, you know, Chell pops up on like a random MMA show and does an interview. Maybe you save it for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I see both sides of it. I, I don't think he, he probably could have saved that. He m- maybe not have had to, but I'm not going to bash him because I, I don't think he had like malicious intent. But anyway, um, yeah, Chell, you know, quote unquote retired. We'll, we'll see how MMA, you know, MMA retirements are weird. We, we never know how they, uh, <laughs> how they're going to go. If, if it is indeed the, the end uh, I mean, Chell, I, I would say all things considered, never, never, never was a champion, but had a pretty solid career. Um, fought a lot of great fighters, has some some pretty good wins. I'll re- always remember him mauling Yushin Okami uh, back when Yushin was like a big deal. Um, I'm still always amazed when I look at Chell's record that he beat Shogun. Like that fight, just <laughs> uh, <laughs> that fight always sticks out to me. I mean, anybody like, willing to. Uh... To wrestle with Shogun has a good chance of just submitting him these days. Yeah, well, I, I guess at the time, like Shogun was still older, but I don't know. I, I thought Shogun was just gonna win that fight handily. I, in my mind, that's how I had it going. I did not. I didn't think Chelsea had a chance to win that fight, and boy, he ended up uh, choking him out. But no, nah, man. If it is over for Chell, you know. Good luck in the post-fight career. I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll be fine. The the, the way he is with the microphone, he'll, he'll have a job for a long time. We will. This this ain't the last of of chill, what whatsoever. But uh, congrats to Machida. Another highlight, real finish. See see where he goes from here. Uh, moving on down at catchweight, <laughs> Dylan Danis uh, versus Max Humphrey. No comment. Um. No comment. Yeah, Dana's came. Yeah, like, this, this was a, a go nowhere. Like, no, nah, I shouldn't say. This fight should have been on the prelims because, like, yeah, yeah I, I don't care about Dylan Dana's fighting some dude who's, like, 3-2. and two. Yeah, this definitely should have been a... Yeah, this should have been a prelim. I thought they were honestly going to put both Ryzen fighters on the 
on the co-headliner, or uh, not on the main card, or maybe even the Pico fight, but maybe they were being cautious with Pico. Well, we'll, we'll get to him <laughs> in, a, in a little bit. But, yeah, not not a lot to talk about in this fight. Dylan Danis came out in his leopard print shorts, uh, took Humphreys down, landed a lot of solid uh, ground and pound, got Humphreys to open up, uh, went for like a rear naked choke a couple times, ended up not getting it, and then he ended up getting an arm bar, um, did a nice little flip over with the arm bar to make it belly down, and submitted Humphrey. And, uh, that was it. Um, yeah, we'll just move yeah. on. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not, not a lot to really dig in with that fight. Yeah. Um, this next fight, I have some questions. Yeah. Patrick Mix versus uh, Ricky Bandejas. So... I think we all knew i can't remember what promotion ricky was in prior but we know he came over to bellator he uh he gave <laughs> he gave came he gave james gallagher the sean michaels super kick um so he's been doing this thing in bellator comes over to fight uh, it comes over patrick mix comes up this is his debut not sure what organization he was before this but for what i've been hearing he was a, a heavily touted prospect king of the cage man yeah. So my first thought before we even get into this fight, um, the whole prospect against prospect thing. Like, I get it on paper; it's a good fight. But this, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this could be one of those things where because Bellator doesn't have as much depth as, you know, like the UFC, maybe they're forced to make these kind of fights. I thought it was weird to have two prospects that I think you're. Hoping turn into something, and you're matching them up really early. Um, on one hand, I think there may be something to it, but on the other hand, like I'm looking at the belt, like the Bellator's bandweight division is like four fighters in it that are actually like not prospects anymore, and it's like I'm not sure if Joe Warren's even fighting anymore. Nothing. Yeah, so you got him, you got Dantes, you got Caldwell, and like, and you got like Juan Archuleta, who just fought that featherweight on the same card earlier in the night. Like, so um, like they 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 their their bandweight division for the longest time has been just just bare bones. So I get like, okay, we got this Patrick Mix kid. Let's see if he's the real deal and throw him in there with. I don't know, um, Ricky Mendejas, like somebody who we have no plans for. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna say they didn't. I, I'm not gonna say they have a grudge against him knocking out um, James Gallagher. Gallagher, but like at the same time, like they are. They, I don't think they're like super high on um, Mendejas. It's not exactly like they come to his neck of the woods to put on cards a lot. So, um, like I, I get the logic behind making the fight. It's just like who, who else are you gonna match him up with? That's interesting, I guess. Like, is Sean Bunch still a, a, a fighter, or is he just like a full-time AKA wrestling guy now? I can't remember the last time I've heard his name. Yeah, I just checked and he said he last fought in like February. So, I, mean, I don't know. So, like, yeah, this is, I think this just comes down to belts are just not having a, a whole bunch of names in that division for guys to fight. <clears throat> I mean, that makes sense. And, and I guess 
this, you know, on, on paper, this is like a pretty stat card for Bellator. So I guess you need names. So, you know, you got you to gotta throw fights in. That'll get people excited, get people talking. Um, as for the performance, though, uh, boy, did Mix make some quick work of Bandejas. Um, that back take was really slick to me. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> that, that back take was so slick. Like, they clinched, and he kind of, I can't really describe what he did. He kind of, like, I'm trying to think of how to put this into words. He, it's not shoved. Shoved is not the word I'm looking he, like, nudged Bandejas really hard to kind of, like, make his shoulder, upper body, like, turn over. I'm probably describing this terribly. But, <laughs> like, it was the way he got, the way he got Bandejas to kind of turn around while they were clinched so he could just jump on his back. And it, to me, when I saw him do that, I was like, this looks like something he does a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think this was like, oh, I just got an opportunity. This looked like he planned to do this, and it, it worked. Like, but, if you guys just just watch the fight, it only lasted a minute. It's not not much to watch. But Thailand just scored um, on Sweden, and their coach is crying. Oh wow! <laughs> Mind you, they're down four to one, but I think this might be the first time they ever scored uh, scored in a, uh, a World Cup. So, hey, go Thailand! I'm off. I'm off for moral victories. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, World Cup is going on right oh, now. Yeah, yeah, I gotta run in the background. The reason. You, now you haven't heard me say much about it is because uh, it's not been pretty. Mm. At least not for Thailand. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, like, just anytime you can take a man's back in the middle of the cage, like, not even along the cage where, like, you might be able to corner him, but just hop onto his back, it, like, that that's insta-style points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Chelsea yeah. came in here and submitted Bandera. So if he had two more rounds, I think he probably would have beat Archuleta. And we see, we've seen how good Archuleta is. So he comes in and immediately makes a name for himself. Yep. Th- those king of the cage yeah. dudes, man. Like they, they, for whatever reason, they don't cut it. They don't get signed to the UFC. Like Warren Archuleta is a dude who's was. Got to like twenty and zero before the UFC even gave him a call, or twenty uh, not the UFC Bellator, but before Bellator was able to get him away from there. Like Jimmy Rivera is another dude who was like on a nineteen fight winning streak and was like a king of the cage champion, and it took forever for the UFC to call his number. I I don't know if it has something to do with the contracts. I don't know if it has something to do with just like them not putting a lot of stock into the king of the cage. Uh, you know, brand, which I understand because apparently it's a brand they just lease out to whoever, whatever rinky dick promoter wants to borrow it. But uh, they've been turning out some quality fighters. Um, yeah, yeah. He took this back real quick, got that choke in, and you know, well, we'll see what he turns into at bantamweight. I mean, they need like that... they just need bantamweights to fill that division, man. Like, that's what it comes down to. Um. Like, they signed Manny Vasquez um, and, Vin, uh, and Vinicius Zani, who I want to say for in the UFC. Like, he was, like, a tough guy. I could be wrong. I could be confusing him with somebody else. Yeah, I'm confusing him with somebody else. Um, I'm confusing with the other Vinicius, the, like, the middleweight or welterweight or whatever. Um, but, like, they, they just need dudes to fill up that division, and 
mix was just they they looked into like a really solid uh fight. There you go. Patrick Mix. First round submission over Ricky Bandejas. We'll see uh how he does at Bantamweight. Uh, moving on to Featherweight. Uh, well, I think the somebody said this fight took place at Featherweight because the turnaround time was so yeah. quick. Um, but, anywho, Juan Archuleta uh, squared off against former Bantamweight champ Eduardo Dantes. Um, boy. <laughs> um, yeah, Eduardo... Uh, Dantes was never able to um, really get off much of anything because Archuleta just a lot of footwork a lot of like side to side motion and then he would like periodically kind of like blitz in with a combination and catch Dantes with something um he was mixing it up with his wrestling um Dantes against the cage a couple times just Dantes could never really get comfortable because Archuleta was just always moving like he was just always moving around doing something and then when they did exchange, like, Archuleta would blitz and he would catch Dantes. I want to say he clipped him uh, or stunned him at least once or twice. Um, yeah, like, we've seen Dantes be able to knock guys out, have really good striking performances, but... Been a while, but yeah. Yeah, been a while, and he could not he could not deal with that footwork, man. That footwork really... Yeah, like, he he, he really struck... Like, he had, he, had this, he had a lot of the same problems Henry Burrell had, where he was just, like... He, he needs the opponent to engage with him on his terms at the end of his range. And, like, Archuleta was just like, no, I'm just going to keep moving, and there's nothing you can do to stop me, so you're going to be chasing me around the cage. And you're not very good at cutting me off, so, like, what's the problem? And then, like, when he, fi- like, when he finally, quote-unquote, corners Archuleta, he throws, um, what was it, the, the, the switch kick? Yeah, it was a kick. And he was trying to follow it with like a one-two, and uh, and yeah, Archuleta just unbombed, uh, bombs him with like an overhand right. At, as I, I think his leg is still in the air from the kick. Yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy like finish sequence because he <laughs> he like checked the kick, but did he like jump check? He, his, his his leg was really. Yeah, it was like he checked the body kick or something. Yeah. Like, he checked the kick, and I, I think he knew the one-two was coming. And he just immediately just ducked, and Dantes missed the one-two, and Archuleta came back with a right and just floored him. And keep in mind, one second left in the round. Because, like, they, they had sounded off the bell, like, right when, I think, at Dantes started throwing the kick. Like, that round was almost over. Right. <laughs> Albeit Dantes was, you know, he was losing the fight anyway, but yeah, he got absolutely floored right at the end of the round. Um, great win for Archuleta, who is is he undefeated? He's still undefeated, right? Archuleta, he is like twenty and one. He lost like his first professional fight. I mean, I I'll, I'll have to think he's got a. He's got to be next for uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, and he yelled his name after the fight <laughs> when he was celebrating on top of the cage. So, um, yeah, you, you got to think that's next. And, hey, man, the man's earned it. He's been out here winning fights. Uh, he's been showing improvement. And 
especially it's all about the highlight reel KOs, man. Especially when you're trying to make a case for a title shot. Like, he's got a couple of them in uh, uh, Bellas right now. He knocked out Dantes and he not, uh, he knocked out Peralta. Yeah, and boy, on the other end for Dantes, man, he is one. Yeah, one in yeah. His last four fights have not gone well. He's one in three, and his last four lost to Archuleta. Uh, his comeback. Uh, coming off an of injury, he had beat Toby Masech, but before that, obviously the KO from McDonald, and then the loss to Caldwell, which was the fight that he uh, lost his belt to. So I don't know. He he's kind of been like a little a little rough patch, but Archuleta man, he he's on the come up, and he look he looks pretty good. I'm all for Archuleta Horiguchi. There will be a lot of movement in that fight because Horiguchi does a lot of bouncing around too. So <laughs> that would be an interesting. Fight to see play out, but no, nah, shout out to Arch Letterman. That's that was a really good performance. Yep. Um, oh boy, this next fight. And at least fight. the uh, the result was great. The actual fight itself, yeah. uh, not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Not now. I'll, I can't fault them for making this the first. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So can we start off with if Ben Askren says? That your wrestling is boring, and that you don't deserve to win for your takedowns. It's a problem. You have some serious problems. With your approach. <laughs> um, so, um, Kyojo Aguchi, Darian Caldwell, number two, running back from uh, what was the last this year? Like this previous NYE event from Ryzen. Where Horiguchi uh, submitted Caldwell in the third round by guillotine. Um, and we all thought with the addition of the cage, Caldwell would, or not all of us, but there was a, a strong sentiment out there that with the addition of the cage, Caldwell would have the advantage. He'd be able to push Horiguchi into it. It'd be a lot harder for Horiguchi to get guillotine along the cage. Um, it'd be easier for uh, Caldwell to uh, secure a position. And a lot of that turns out to be true. It also turns out that um, in the state of New York, who I think follows the new rules of uh, the new unified rules, even though they're not unified anymore. Um, if you don't do anything from the top, they're just not going to give you the round. Because uh, Horiguchi outstruck Darian Colwell something like 200 to 1 in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> Off his back. And I'm not mad. I actually, that's the sentiment I agree with. Like, I get it. Like, if you land a takedown, it's a dominant position. But if you're not doing anything with it, and the other guy is at least like trying something, I believe he should get the round. Yeah. So I, I have no problem with this. Yeah. Um. Friggin' like the the few times they were on the feet, Horiguchi did well. Not like he he wasn't out there like super tagging Caldwell, but uh, this fight was literally what with one with Horiguchi on his back for like four rounds, and it was pretty hilarious. Aggravating in real time, but hilarious in hindsight. Yeah, like he he literally won the fight just by landing pitter pat shots on the ground. The, like those annoying punches you throw when somebody's like, "All right, get off." Right. The the like, funniest part <laughs> is how effective they were because like Caldwell's face was red by like the fourth round, solely from all the strikes that Horiguchi <laughs> was throwing from his butt. And it's just like I don't. I, I didn't hear Caldwell's corner advice, but you got to think by, like, round three, they're like, all right, man, like, your takedowns are great. Cool. You're getting them down every round. 
that's great. But, like, you gotta do something. Like, because when we say Caldwell did nothing, like, like that's almost he won one like, round because at the, in the last minute he decided to, like, posture up and start doing ground and pound. And it was real, it was good ground and pound. And he deserved to win the round for, off of that. But, um, yeah, no, he, like you said, he did nothing. Nothing with the takedowns. Uh, I'm kind of surprised the ref let it go on that long. Oh my god. I, ah. <laughs> that referee, don't remember his name, that guy was killing my soul. Because he would let Caldwell literally lay... I, you talk about lay and pray. This was lay and pray. This is what lay and pray looks like. He would let Caldwell lay and pray for like a good three minutes before he finally decided to stand them up. And it's like, dude, like... I, I get it like the first round... The fight still feeling everything out. But, like, round three, you know what Caldwell's doing at this point, Russ. Clearly, he's not. He ain't posturing up much. He ain't landing ground and pound. He's not really advancing and going for any submissions or anything. He's just sitting there. You can stand him up. No, Nobody's going to be mad at you. Nobody's going to boo you. And, like I said, when, when Ben Askren is complaining, that's, that, that's an issue. I, you know what I will say? Caldwell did not get, like, takedowns, like... In the back half of the fight, his takedown seems to just happen because Horiguchi would just like recklessly close distance, and he would <laughs> and Caldwell would like fold and just like go to his knees, and it wasn't like he was trying to shoot. He just ended up like, okay, I'm being overwhelmed right now, and I fell down, so I'm gonna just shoot from here. It was right. really, it was really <laughs> awkward. It was just like, yeah, Horiguchi just stayed out just a little bit more when he tries to close distance. He probably would have just kept on the feet, but I guess that didn't that matter. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, we, we, we complained at first that this fight should not have started off the card because it was a championship fight and it's a five-rounder, but I'm glad, uh, in hindsight, Bellator, I'll take it back. You guys got it right. I'm glad we got this out the way. Um, but even still, with the fight being what it was, and uh, Horiguchi won via unanimous decision, he is now the Bantamweight and Rising Champ at the same time. Albeit the fight wasn't exciting, but I'm really excited just of the result because Horiguchi just keeps winning. And how dope is it that I'm a champ in two different organizations at the same time? Like, Dude, like... It's... It, uh, uh, it... After the past couple of weeks, people really need to put some respect on Flyweight's name and on DJ's name. Because, like, it, 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 his resume is just only looking better and better in hindsight. All right. Yeah, a lot of the guys he's beaten have went on to do some pretty, uh, pretty incredible things. Um, having two belts in two different organizations, that's the most baller like, because yeah. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I was the champ and rising, but then I left and came over here and got a belt. It's like, oh, no, I'm still over there. Like, I run both neighborhoods now. Like, <laughs> I'm the king on both blocks. Um, What does he do next? Because I think they said that he has to defend at least once a year. Mm, Archuleta. I want, I want, yeah, so I guess in, in Bellator Archuleta fight... Like I don't know, I I don't know what Ryzen had planned for him in um 
like the, the, the a lot of the uh, part of the reason I think they did this is because they just ran out of fights for him to do in like Ryzen. But it, I mean, hold up, let me check something real quick. Let's, I was gonna let's check and see what uh, list of current UFC fighters. Let's see what featherweight, flyweights. I'm sorry, have been cut recently, and. Uh, division, bantamweight, 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 featherweight, like heavyweight, women's flyweight. I don't got anything on flyweight. Uh, like Dustin Ortiz is still out there, I guess, right? And I don't ever heard of him finding like a permanent home. Uh, friend of the show, Jose Jordi, uh, Shorty Torres, maybe. Maybe you got him. Um, well, I don't think Moreno's gonna fight it. I mean, he probably would take that fight because you know, it's for a belt. But uh, Mateus Nicolau is a free agent. Um, but let me just pull up the best current best MMA flyweight fighters. Let's see, Pantoja, Formiga, Benavides, still all in the UFC. And Figueredo. Um Ortiz is a free agent. Wilson Hayes is free. Uh, I think John Moraga is a free agent. Don't don't quote me on that, but I think he's a free agent. I, I, I don't, he's a fault for a while, um, so it's hard to tell. Um, Brandon Moreno is an LFA. He just won the LFA flyweight title off of Michael uh, Perez, so you know that's a fight they could do if if uh, Sakaki Barra was willing. Uh, an Ali Bags rematch. Um, Kaikar Frank is in the UFC. Jordan Espinosa is in the UFC. I just wish there was some way we could finesse and get this DJ rematch. Hey, DJ seems pretty against it. Uh, come on, DJ. Play ball, DJ. I mean, I, I don't know how that would work. One one championship hasn't been getting in on this whole cross promotion uh phenomenon. No, they yeah. They seem pretty. I'm not gonna say hell bent, but they they they, they feel, it feels like they are trying their best to be on the UFC's like side. But I don't I don't see them working with like Bellator or anybody Bellator works with, so that include Ryzen. Yeah, they're trying to build their own. Uh, I mean, I ain't mad. They're they're building their own little little empire over there. So, but um, no, I mean, if you're a Gucci, you're you're in a good spot. You got two belts. Um, no, no, you know, I, I would hope, you know, whatever, whichever organization, at least, you know, to the best of their ability with what's available out there, going to try to get you some fun, entertaining fights. Um, see, I don't know. Yeah, the, as, as far as rising there, the, the pickings are a little different because you're going to, you you're probably just gonna have to find a lot of people just in a free agent pool, like who just isn't signed right now that we can bring over, who might be halfway entertaining that we can kind of throw at Horaguchi, and you know hopefully it turns into a fun fight. We should bring back Ian Loveland, so they can run back that rematch. I'd be down for that. I don't know. We'll 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 see. We'll see. I wouldn't be mad at the Moreno fight. I, I would, you know, that would be fun. Um... I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they do. But great on Horiguchi, man. The man just... We say this every time he fights. 
post UFC career, amazing. <laughs> you got two belts and two organizations at the same time. That is, that's 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 goat tendencies. That is, you know, the man's winning that life, and I'm I'm all for it. So congrats to Kyoji Horiguchi, man. Bellator Bantamweight oh, we champ. Just, we should mention he called out. He didn't call, out, but he said he would love to fight Henry Cejudo. Yeah, I saw that, but I'm. What, what's the odds of that, really? I mean, zero. I would love to see it. Zero. Yeah, yeah, but that's not gonna happen. Would never happen. I would love to see it happen, but yeah. Hi, hypothetically, who who would you take in that fight? Uh, I I I find it hard to pick against Zahudo's pressure, just ability to just not feel pain when he's fighting. Yeah. I... I will be rooting for Gooch with all my heart and soul, but uh, uh, it's, it's getting really hard to doubt Cejudo. <laughs> After that last fight, it's getting it's getting hard to doubt the man. He's he's been out here, but we'll we'll see what happens with Horiguchi. But either way, man, that was you know not not a great fight, but he got him a belt. You know, it is what it is. So congrats to Horiguchi. Uh, that rounds out the main card. Um, we're going to read some of the results of the prelims, but we're not going to spend too much time on every fight. But there are a couple of these I would like to talk about. Um, but just to run through a couple. Uh, Brandon Polcare defeated Brandon Medina via submission. Uh, Castriot Jima, I don't know if I'm saying that right, defeated Whitney Francois via TKO. Uh, John Benduce defeated Kenny Rivera via unanimous decision. Uh, spent a little bit of time on these next. You know what? I'm going to say Pico for less. Um, Taylor Turner, Heather Hardy. Any any thoughts on this fight? Um, Heather Hardy is too old to be doing getting into MMA. And she was... She's just not the athlete she needs to be to make the transition. Like, I hate saying that because I love watching her fight, at least in boxing. And it sucks that the boxing market is so monopolized, especially in Brooklyn by PVC, where that she can't freaking get a fight at the Barclays. And it's just, she's not getting them. Like, she's an actual ticket seller in New York, but she can't going to allow her to be able to make money on fighting for a world title, and that's just insane to me. Um, but, like, her, her, even boxing, like, her, her, um, strengths lie in her ability, like, her durability, and the, like, her ability to keep a really, like, strong pace, and, like, keep coming forward. And that's not stuff that really transfers over in MMA, because you can get taken down, and you can get kicked, and We've seen it against Williams, and we see we saw it here against Taylor. Um, just taken down, like, and that, Taylor wasn't even throwing like hard ground and pound. It was like pitter patter stuff, and Hardy just had no answer to how to get her off of her. I was gonna say it, it was it wasn't the hardest, but it added up. Right, because <laughs> it was a pretty high volume, and yeah, Hardy kind of just got taken down and got beat up. Um. Yeah, not not a lot to analyze, but do 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 we do we think the whole Bellator thing is over? I I think Hardy's just gonna show up for a paycheck. Like 
Well, if Bellator is going to be in New York, they need they're going to want somebody who can sell tickets and has already sold tickets. Yeah. Um. All right, we well, no, I'm not. I'm not going to waste time on some of these. I'll just name the fights that some people might have been interested in, and then uh, we'll come back to Pico and we'll come back to Lareda. Um, and we'll talk about Reina a little bit. But uh, some of these other fights, maybe some of you are interested in. Uh, Hobson Gracie Jr. defeated Oscar Vera via submission. Uh, I guess you could call him Bantamweight prospect. Mike Kimball defeated uh, Sebastian Ruiz. Um, do you have any quick thoughts on Kimball? Any any thoughts like a prospect or... He is drawn like a Joseph Loeb comic book from the 90s. <laughs> like... Get this man some water, because he looks dehydrated as shit. <laughs> that's, that's the Mike Kimball breakdown. But he's built like Phil Davis, but like at 135 and short. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like somebody that would be worth keeping an eye on. I'm not in, in a rush to rush the man to the top anytime soon. But, I mean, he just fought to a split decision with a guy who was two and two. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I think there are some tools there. There's something there to be worked with. I can't. Rem- you know. Uh, I want to say, uh, what was the gym he was training? Team Thunder MMA. You know, it's a real. You know, it's a good team when they have their phone number and their website and their uh, team banner like at the same size as the name of their uh <laughs> their gym. But like, he, I think he's the only like out of his gym so that that could be hampering his uh, improvement I mean, he looked he looked fine here like for I, i'm yeah you know, i i made fun of ruiz's record but like he's a tough dude um if like especially early if somebody like with his experience had eaten the shots he had eaten they probably would have folded um and kimball would have got like a first or second round stoppage but he, he hung in there and he battled through um. Yeah, like no, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot to to say about this fight as a whole. Like, like you said, Kimball's a great athlete. Um, maybe somebody to keep an eye on, but like, we're we're talking years of development here, and yeah, it, it kind of feels like Bellator is coming out of that. Uh, like, it seems like there's, like, a number cap in Bellator where, like, you get a certain amount of fights, you just have to fight somebody um, who is not a Sebastian Ruiz, and I'm not sure what that number is going to be for Kimball. Because they, they seem like they're pushing them. Like, not but, like, how many other Bellator prelim dudes get um, a post-fight press conference and, like, scrum thing? Right. Um. So... But- I I I could see him getting to like five and one or six and one, and then them just throwing him in there with like uh, well, I don't even know like a Patrick Mix, uh, Ricky yeah, Benjaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll go five and one and get a name, just somebody that's recognizable in the Bellator brand, and they'll just see where he's at and what he can do. But yeah, like you said though, if he he's going to move up this roster, he's definitely probably going to need to go to a, a bigger gym or just at least be able to bring in some other like professional training partners, things like that, depending on where he's at. But, 
Just somebody solid, solid performance though. Just somebody to possibly keep an eye on. Um, Phil Hawes defeated Michael Wilcox via TKO. Uh, Doctor Stoppage. Uh, Marcus Seren defeated Necruz. Mirko Jaez defeated uh, via unanimous decision. And Jaime Gozal defeated Gustavo Werlitzer via submission. So we're gonna rewind and go back to three fights that we can kind of talk about just for a little bit. Uh, just some quick thoughts on. Uh, Lindsey Van Zant versus uh, Reyna Kubota. So, uh, Reyna was the other rising fighter on this card. Um, I wasn't really too familiar with Lindsey Van Zant. Uh, former uh, Invicta fighter. Mm. So, uh, I think we noted once that Lindsey Van Zant was like the only atom weight we had ever seen in um, in Bellator before. And now we know why, because they, they needed an atom weight to fight Reyna. Um, when she came over. Um, I think Brenda's tweet after the after the whole fight uh, best summed up just did the whole experience of watching her lose. And it was something like along the lines of um, I just don't have the aptitude for MMA. Which just seems more and more true um, with every fight he gets against anybody who can grapple even a little bit. Yeah. She got... It's like when it goes to the ground, there's not a lot of, uh... Not a lot of resistance. Not a lot of, uh... Options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, props to Lindsey Van Zandt. That's a, bit, that's a nice name to have on your resume. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't know if Bellator plans on making an atom weight division. It might help them fill up some more cards, to be honest, with some more interesting ballots. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Rena was somebody, if they were going to bring over, she would have been good for like a Bellator kickboxing card. We have her fight. Um, well, none of the women they have in Bellator kickboxing are small enough for it, but they just like have her fight like some local jobber or something. All right. Or Carrie Melendez. Where's she been? Did she fight this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. She fought this year. Yeah, she did. I can't remember who she fought, but she fought recently. Yes. Yeah, it kind of sucks for some of the women in the smaller weight classes because it's. You know, you have good fighters down there, but like depending on what organization you're in, just the ability to just even be able to find fights can be kind of few far in between. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like fighting in Japan. Like there is no shortage of like weekend warriors yeah, she, yeah. you could probably crush. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, she'll be fine. But if you're like here in the U.S., you're like an Invicta, or you are just like shit out of luck. Yeah. And it's not like, even if, you know, you're Invicta, you know, you're not making necessarily life-changing money. Right. It's, you know, that's a hard, that's a hard grind to, to go through. But, um, no, nah, good, that's a great win for Lindsay, though, like you said. That's a good name to have on your resume, a recognizable name. Um, hopefully it does something good for her. I, I don't know where she'll go next. Like I said, we don't even know what Bellator is really doing <laughs> with this division. I mean, and this fight was at catchweight too, I think. 
Oh well, on the wiki page it says what that kept. Yeah, it was at well, it's at one twelve, which is a which is the weight class that uh, Rena fights in in Japan. Oh, okay, okay. So I don't know if that was on so, purpose or if one of them came in like seven pounds or weight or or whatever. Yeah, but well, we'll see. Great, great win for Van Zandt though. Pretty dominant one-sided win. Um, so we'll we'll see what they do with her next and with with that division if if they decide to move forward. Uh, moving on to flyweight, uh, Valerie Lareda versus uh, Larkin Dash. Uh, Lareda was a Taekwondo ace. I can't remember the last time she fought, but it was this year. Um, this is her second pro fight. Uh, Larkin Dash, who made headlines because uh, she is an MMA fighter, but she got a lot of headlines for working at Hooters, so they kind of labeled that. They labeled her. Uh, you know, the Raiders just fighting a random Hooters chick. That was kind of the, uh, like, not say headline. Yeah, I think but... I, I think I made that joke last week, too, and I, my, my old thing was not so much that she worked at Hooters, but that she is a bad fighter. Uh, she's tough as yeah, this... shit. Like, don't get me wrong, she took a, she, she took a lot in this fight, but, like, maybe, like, one is a super athletic, like, experienced combat sports expert, and the other one's like a 22-year-old who was like four and four as an amateur, or three and four as an amateur, or something like that. It had lost her only pro fight. This <laughs> this was an interesting fight, to say the least. Um, yeah, you could tell just by looking at like not not even I didn't say body language, but just like movement of who's been fighting for a while, even if it's not an MMA, like who just has a lot of fighting experience in general. One of these women has at a combat have... sports background. The other does not. And the, right, yeah, yeah. You could tell just kind of by the way Dash was moving her, uh, I don't know if you want to call it boxing stance. I'm not really sure what you call it, but <laughs> it looked kind of awkward, to say the least. But like I said, if nothing else, what Dash has going for her, she definitely has heart and toughness. Because she ate a lot of shots um, that I think a lot of other people either would have gotten put out by or at least would have maybe gotten stumbled or sent the back or, you know, something like that. Yeah, but, she, almost, she, man, she almost managed to turn some of those into takedowns. Like, there was um, a sequence in the first round where, like, she just caught one of them. Um, Valerita's punches and just tried to drag her to the ground with her arm. <laughs> it was like a big sister throw she was trying to do. Right. And it's just like, 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 get over here. You're not the big sister here. Yeah, yeah. I I, I applaud Dash's, like, grit. Toughness and, like, just grit and, like, scrappiness. Like, it didn't look pretty, but I like the effort, man. Because yeah. she was go, she was, she, she was clearly, like, outmatched in, like, terms of just technique. But she was going for it. <laughs> like, she's out here swinging kind of these wild punches. She has kind of this really awkward, like, moving motion. But that did not stop her from constantly moving forward. And she was going for it. And I respect that. I, I respect that a lot. She, because she ate a lot of body kicks. I think at one point she ate a head kick that she just took, like, a chance. Oh, yeah, no. Like, like, like I said, this fight is nothing but, if not a testament to fucking how tough Larkin Dash is. And how athletically gifted Loretta is, like, good God, like, if she learns to fight, fight, like, like how 
like how Alex Alex uh, Henderson after he lost to Don Cerrone was like after in the fight if she learns to fight like in that context she's gonna be really good yeah like she's got tools and she's at a great gym so like you you hope it comes um and I think this fight will be good for her just because it like she needs women who will give her rounds and yeah you need the the ring time yeah. And didn't give her, um, you know, it wasn't, didn't pose too much of a threat, right. but, like, wouldn't give her, it wasn't a blow-through. Like, you're not just going to come in here and just... Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to put you in there, like, you're Tiffany Van Zeus, and I'm going to put you in there with a one and a woman who just so happens to be a collegiate wrestler. They gave her somebody right. who was going to be tough to put away. Maybe they didn't know that, but, you know, hindsight, 2020. Um, so, you know... It, it it's good for your prospects. You just, I, I I just wonder. Hopefully that Bellator can build her up properly for Lareda, because obviously she's not ready for you know mm-hmm. she's still really really green. That's that's and one of the don't... benefits of being in this division though is just that everybody's green. Right. Uh, the, matter of fact, I can't even call it like um. Just a benefit. It could it it could end up with her getting a title shot after like two or three more wins, just because they need somebody to fight Emily McFarland. I hope that's not the case, but you never know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I want to see her get thrown up there too quick, but it is one of those things. Like when you're in a division that's kind of thin. <laughs> I ain't gonna say winning is a bad thing, but it's like when you keep winning, it's just kind of like at some point we have no choice but to kind of. Like, you're the only one who's kind of standing out, so mm. kind of just got to see what you got. But, nah, Lareda definitely has a lot of tools that can work. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say this for Dash. I'll, I'll go out on a limb by myself. I, I don't know how old she is. I feel like they were both pretty young. Oh, yeah, no, Dash is 22. Like, I feel like for Dash, because that kind of, like, grit and toughness, like, you can't, that's not something that's, like, teachable. Like, you either kind of have that or you don't. Right. Um, and I think that's a good trait to have. If she can just kind of fine-tune everything else, I'm not saying she's going to be champ. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you could just be somebody we can bring in just to have some fun fights. Right. Like, and there's a market you, for that. Yeah. You you can be one of those fighters. And there's you'll, you'll always have, as long as you can be somewhat consistent, <laughs> you'll, you'll always have a job. They they can always throw you in on the car like yeah we just we just need somebody to bring some blood you you can be there's, one of those. there's always room for like a Jan Finney type All right so um, yeah I, but props to Loretta I know I was gonna say I don't think I'm going to nowhere because it's about to start thunderstorming mm-hmm. yeah so I think I'm mad at the call my day <laughs> I got caught do a quick quick just random side tangent. Um, so I went to see my dad on, what day was that? Uh, I think it was Friday after work. And I knew it was going to storm, but I was like, you know what? I can get there before it storms. And about the first 15 minutes, I was good. Sun was out. Everything was great. I get off on the exit to get on the highway. Torrential downpour. Like, to the point where I had, like... (laughs) My windshield wiper speed on max, and I still couldn't see. Yeah, no, what no, was going that, that's on. just terrifying. You ever had your your wind your windshield wiper just 
like fall the fuck off your car in the middle of the rainstorm? Uh, I hope not. No, I hope never. Yeah, that is, I'm that pulling over. Is terrifying. Yeah, like the only thing that was allowing me to see was like tail lights from other cars. Like, all right, I can tell I'm still going in a straight line, depending on other people. You have to trust <laughs> that they're going in a straight line. Right. <laughs> it's like either we're all, you know, one of us is gonna die, or we're all dying together. So I'm depending on you guys to keep me, keep me alive. But now, yeah, that that torrential downpour rain. It's that's no no bueno, no bueno. And luckily, like it was kind of stop and go traffic, so I wasn't going too fast. So I think that kind of helped too. But yeah, that that torrential rain, man, it's not not to be played with. But uh, uh congrats to Valerie Lareda. We'll see how they continue to build her up. But definitely, she's got a lot of tools to work with. Uh, last fight. That we will mention. Adam Borix versus Aaron P. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's talk about this for a little um, bit. <laughs> so let's start let's start with the actual fight. And then we can go into the um the ass hattery that is Bellator prospect matchmaking. Um so Aaron Pico uh recently switched camps. Uh I think well, who was he with before? Was it um Shoot, I know this. Was it AJ McKee's dad, Antonio McKee? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was with those guys over at um whatever their gym is called. Like so it's them, it's like it's AJ McKee, it's um uh crap, what's his name? Uh Kimbo Slice Jr., Baby Slice, um and, and a bunch of those other dudes who you see hanging around Bellas Work Cards. Um he recently switched over to uh, Mike Winks, or Jackson Winks, um, which I guess you can call him Mike Winkle John's gym now because I don't think Greg Jackson's actually a coach there anymore. Um, and they, they switched up his style. He, he he relies more on his wrestling now, and we saw it here for the first time. I think it's the first time we ever seen him shoot for a takedown. Yeah, so it's like repeatedly. Yeah. Like he, like was, he was he was all dogged, um, chasing after those takedowns. I'm gonna say he 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 dominated the first round in the way that you dominate the first round where you wrestle the other guy and uh, he doesn't throw anything back and you don't really throw anything, but like you keep getting the takedown, so you know judges have to give the round to somebody. All right. The second round, he he uh, shoots for a takedown. Borix gets up. Um. Borix proceeds to start walking uh, Pico down. Pico, either tired or just not knowing what to do. Like, kind of instinctively jumps for, uh, dives for a takedown from like four or five feet out. And Borix hits, I'm not going to call it the slowest flying knee ever, because it's not. But like, it was pretty obvious what he was going to do. Because <laughs> he jumps like he does that weird, like the thing where he switches in midair. So like he'll throw the first, he'll throw the right knee forward first, and then he'll follow with the left knee, and that's the knee that caught Pico as he was like, like wh- what would you call that shot? Because like, I feel like, I feel like in the middle of the shot he realized, uh oh, right, <laughs> because he he didn't like. Fully lunged forward. He wasn't like mid motion, and then it felt like he second guessed himself. But by the time he figured out what was, was happening, it was too yeah. late. 
So, um, Pico gets knocked out in the second round of this fight. It is his second knockout in his many fights, I believe, and his third time he's been stopped in his seven pro fights. So, I'm kind of just hoping Aaron Pico goes and focuses on being in the on the 2020 uh, U.S. freestyle wrestling team for the Olympics. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't need to see him get knocked out anymore. I'm good. Yeah, this this was because um... I like the kid. Like he's a like he. If you've ever seen him wrestle, it is fucking electrifying. Like this is a 19 year old kid who's wrestling like grown ass men in 2016, and making them look silly. Like we're talking NCAA champions, and Pico was not just hanging with them, but in some cases just like straight up embarrassing them. But MMA is not his calling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna be that terrible coach that's not ready to throw in the towel yet. But I think, oh boy, I'm trying to defend this somehow. Well, not not trying to this, defend it, it because like, we, what 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 happened? Yeah, happened. like so, like the way I look at it is like you're, you, the guy you invested all this money and like media time in just got knocked out. Fighting Henry Corrales in a fight that he was, he was admittedly winning until he got knocked out. Mind you, it was less than like four minutes, but still. Um, why would you throw him in there with a guy who has a five-inch height advantage, who likes to throw like throw it, who, who whose claim to fame in Bellator is basically just throwing knees, like flying knees, and like is a finisher. Like, Borg's, if nothing else, is a consistent finisher. Why is he Pico's bounce-back fight? Yeah. And, like, I, when he was going for the takedowns, I was like, all right, it's a cool approach. You know, because a lot of other fights, we just kind of see him slug heavy shots. And, you know, we, we've seen, you know, he, he can put people out. But I'm like, all right, I like this new approach. You're mixing it up. You're doing something different. Great. I became worried when it just kind of similar to Chell, where it seemed like that was like all he wanted to do. Yeah. Like it's one thing to like mix it up. Like I'll strike a little bit and then maybe, you know, I'll shoot in every once in so often, keep you honest, you know, maybe just mix it up, make things a little interesting. But it seemed like he was like really just dead set on. I'm just going to wrestle this guy to death. And, it was just like he became really predictable. It's like, all right, I know what he's gonna do. He's he's not throwing hands like I thought. He's just trying to just keep taking me down. So kind of similar to Chill. If he keeps shooting, his head's gonna be there to get need. <laughs> like it's just it's gonna be there. And it's just like I wish he just this performance I think could have went another way if he just would have. It's like. <laughs> It's like when you play, like, a video game and you unlock a new move um, and you just want to do the new move over and over again. Albeit wrestling isn't a new move, obviously. We know what Pico's history is. But, like, we haven't seen him shoot much in MMA. So now he gets the wrestling going. It's like, all right, I just want to keep doing this over and over. And it's like, all right, I get that this is your thing and it's working, but you kind of still need to... You got to mix things up, man. You can't just keep doing this one thing over and over and think it's going to be sweet. Um, yeah, 
not a good <laughs> bounce back fight. Um, Wait, maybe Pico will be good at MMA one day, but it won't be in Bellator because they are going to they they are going to fuck the whole like his whole career up. And maybe it's not them. Maybe it's Pico's team who's like, yeah, no, they're they're the ones calling the shots, being like, yeah, no. We want so and so, or we want so and so. Yeah, we want tough fights. Like, Bigo's been like this since he got signed. Like he he wanted Zach Freeman, or he wanted somebody with a good record right out the gate. And like I feel Bellator's like in this weird position where like, okay, you have somebody who's extremely marketable who caught people's attention, and we've been matching him up. Like he fought Lee Morrison in like his fourth pro fight and obliterated him. And people are like, yeah, Bellator's feeding him cans. But Lee Morrison's also like an 18-8 veteran journeyman who is probably way above who Pico would have been fighting if he had been fighting in the LFA. Like, he fought Leandro. He fought and beat Leandro Higo in his fifth pro fight. Like, there, 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 there's just a certain point where being like a super athlete just like it hinders your progress. Because it, it, you you speed through guys so quickly until like you find the guy who just is unimpressed by how athletic you are or, or how hard you hit. Yeah, he yeah his matchmaking man. <laughs> like, and this is like, God, this is a guy that you don't like. Of all the guys to mess up your build up. Of like this could be somebody possibly could be like the face of our motion. Like you don't want this to be the guy you blow it on. Like you had something here. You definitely had this guy was on like the front page of ESPN. Before he like, even debuted. You, right. You really had something going here. This is not the one of all the prospects, this ain't the guy you want to blow it on, man. Like you messed this up. Because you're right, like if if they don't figure this out soon, and I almost wonder if it's, I don't know if it's too late, but if he does turn around and become the fighter that some of us think he can be, it probably won't be in Bellator. Like, Bellator will mess it up. He'll go to some other organization, and maybe he figures it out there, and they'll have, like, a star in their hands. And Bellator will be like, like, bro, that could have been, that should have been us. But it wasn't because we kept matching him up against people he probably just had no business being with. Yeah, I... Uh, and I don't want to take away from Borg, because, you know, highlight real finish, you you killed a, a prospect. Um, but I don't know, just, it makes you just look at Bellator like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't... You're you're blowing the big one here, man. Like you you can you cannot mess this up. And I, I mean, Pico had the right idea from what I read when he was going to Jackson's. Kind of the same thing we said about um, we mentioned about Loretta. Like she needed to learn. Oh, not Loretta. Somebody else we mentioned about. Like he needs to learn how to fight. Not in the sense that he can't throw a punch, but like he needs to just understand fighting and you know, in in like a technical aspect, just having better IQ, things like that. Like he needs to actually learn how to fight. So, uh, the move is great, and I, you know, the, I agree with the mindset of, you know, I, I need to learn how to really hone these skills that I have, but it's like, I get it, 
because you probably work with him in the gym and like you just you see the potential you see how athletic he is you see the gifts that he has and probably like super excited but it's like dude you still gotta you still gotta ease him along man you cannot be rushing him into fights like this and have these kind of results like i i would hate for us in maybe like two to three years us turning back and looking at Aaron Pico and saying what if like I, I don't want to have that conversation a year or two from now and I feel like that's the path that we're headed down we'll be looking at Pico like what if they would have built him up right and what if X and Y would have happened and or even worse <laughs> not even what if he just becomes like a footnote like we just forget about him. right like, remember that Pico kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, he got knocked out, Bozzy Bob, and then we just kind of, you know, move move on to whoever's the next, you know, the next next big thing at the time, but... Yeah, it yeah, sucks. Uh, it uh, sucks, like... It does. Bob's the Borix, though, um... Like, dude now is a... I don't know, like, like what, he's four... Four in Bellator? All finished stoppages? Like... He is a he is a he's a factor now at uh, featherweight. Yep. Uh, I believe he's Gegard Musasi's boy. Like, like he, he that's how he got signed. Um, exciting dude. Would love to see him fight Corrales or uh, anybody in that top part of the Bellator featherweight division. So. You gotta keep the line moving, right? Yeah. And yeah, like I said, yeah, good on him. He'll. I'm pretty sure his next fight will be a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big. Maybe one. he'll be televised. Right. <laughs> you bring your, bring your, your flying knee to a televised primetime audience. Why wasn't this fight on like TV? Yeah. See, and that was my thought of like. Like, this could have been where the Danis and Humphrey fight was. And then my other thought was, well, maybe, you know, they, they love Pico, but they're like, man, what if we don't, you know, what if he loses again? So they just stuff him on a prelim, like, you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But, um. Weird. Boy. This sport. Boy. It will break your heart. It will break your heart. Over and over All the again. prospects lost. Phil Hawes won. All right, Hawes won and Mix won, but he was a prospect fighting another prospect, so I guess they, like, evened each other out, but... Well, I don't know. Is, is Van Zant? would you consider a prospect? Well, maybe I mean, not. There's she, a lot of a the... prospect in the sense that she is a atom weight in the... Like, she's a good atom weight in the division that really doesn't have a hierarchy because all the fighters are split out across different continents. But, yeah, no, like... I mean, I guess Dylan Dennis won. Oh, all right, yeah, I'll take that back. Not not all the prospects lost, but like the the big one that everybody's been hoping for to turn into something. Like, not only did he lose, but it was like it was one of those losses where you kind of like leave a lot of the people that Bellator sunk money into was like Heather Hardy and Darren Vico lost. Um, Darren Caldwell lost. Chael Sonnen lost, and then and retired it, without telling uh, Scott Coker that he was going to do it. Uh, so, it is what it is. And not only were they losses, but they were, like, bad losses. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Whew. That was a, 
Bellator 222. It was a <laughs> um, good card. Yeah, it was. Like, and guess, you know, yeah, guess what's next week? Isn't Zombie back? It's Zombie with oh. Mikano, yes, over in the UFC, but Musasi is going to be fighting Lovato Jr. And Paul Daly is going hey. to be fighting Eric Silva. Hey, oh. Yeah, a little less. I, I can't, a, a little I, less stellar. Yeah, I can't. I, <laughs> yeah, I can't give an A for that fight. Uh, Jeremiah uh, Jeremiah Labiano versus James Gallagher, which is a fine fight. Um, if you're looking for like, they they got some like middleweight prospects and Mike Shipman versus Costello von Stinas and Melvin Mayhoff versus Kent Kopian uh, Kopian, which, whatever. I, I'm I don't need to see Melvin Mayhoff fight anymore. <laughs> but um oh little uh, uh Fabian little, edwards. little edwards is fighting yeah fabian's on it yeah, yeah. fabian edwards k jackson um walter garzada Bafondo. De- yeah but galore Bafondo. uh and denise keelholtz and charlie ward oh they have galore and charlie ward and not making a rematch what the bullshit <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah so that next week's gonna be uh it's gonna be busy Next week's going to be busy. Yeah, because both those cards are on the same yep, day. Yeah, and there's a glory card. Mm, so, yeah, we'll have a lot to fight, uh, talk about next week. Yeah, and then uh, the Korean zombie fight, you got, obviously, uh, Korean zombie Moicano, Rob Font, John Lineker, Barbarina, Randy Brown, KGB Lee's fighting, Kevin Holland will be back against uh, Alessio DiCirico, uh, yeah. Dan Ige yeah. and Kevin Aguilar, Matt Wyman is back. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt um, Wyman, our, uh, I'm, who I'm still not convinced is a real person. <laughs> He's back against Violent Bob Ross. Arian Lipsky's uh, going to have her second go against Molly McCann. That's uh, a good fight. Uh, DC's boy, Deron Wynn, making his debut against Bruno Silva. Andre Ewell's fighting. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a lot of um, be a lot of good good scraps going on next week. Nice scraps. Not a lot in terms of meaning or value. To divisions besides, I guess, my kind of Korean zombie, but you know, if you're looking for some yep. just good time violence, it'll be some good time yeah. violence. Yeah, there'll be there'll be some here for you next week. Uh, who you know who's on real quick? Who's on the, the glory the glory card? Uh, I want to say it was Dumbe, Dumbe, Dumbe. I'm really bad at names. Should be like what? Should be like glory sixty six. Harris. Uh, it is Cedric Dumbe versus Alim Nabiev, Anissa Mexin versus Sophia Olofsson, uh, Mohamed Mazari Meza- uh, versus Adam Hadfield, Felipe uh, Micheletti versus Luis Tavares, and Artem Vek- uh, Vakitov versus Donagy Abena. There we go. Um, Definitely, guys, watch the Dumbe fight. Dumbe fights are normally pretty... Uh... Especially lately, man. He's been uh, he's been fighting like he's trying to prove something. Um, Aren't we all? Next, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he he's been out there like he's trying to kill dudes. Uh, but nah, man. Yeah, I'm always down for a Doom Bay fight. But yeah, next so next week, man, uh, on the twenty second, there will be a lot of fisticuffs. So uh, get in where you fit in, and uh, watch watch people throw leather, man. It's gonna it's gonna be a good time. Yes. But uh, wait, there was, there was oh, Jermel Charlo's fighting next week. Hmm. So if you're into you know the Charlos, he's gonna be fighting. Uh, oh, this is a rematch. No, no, he's fighting uh, Jorge Coda. So 
I think that's on Fox on Sunday. So if you're into that, that's a thing that's happening. There you go. Fist of cuffs everywhere next week. Yay. And Riggin does on the card. Big, big. Oh, the guy who fought on, remember his name. Lomachenko? Riggin does. Yeah, yeah, I like how that's how he's remembered. Dude's a two-time Olympic gold medalist <laughs> and, and boxed the crap out of Nunito Donaire, but he, he's the guy who quit against Lomachenko forever. So. Well, in, in, my, in my defense, <laughs> I'm not as knowledgeable as boxing uh, as I am in MMA. Uh, so no, no, it's, it's, it's fine. This, 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 is how bo- <laughs> this is how combat sports works. So, uh, he, he, he can't... I can't blame anybody for remembering him for uh, his most high-profile loss. Or his, his <laughs> most high-profile performance period. That poor 40-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah. Next next week's going to be going to be really fun. So, you guys uh, be on the lookout. There'll be a, be a lot to talk about. But that's pretty much all we got. Uh, for today's episode, so go ahead and uh, close out with parting shots and shout-outs. Um, I will only have one shout-out. Uh, shout-out to Jeremy Lin, man. Um, member of the Toronto Raptors, now an NBA champion, and he is the first Asian-American to be an NBA champion. He, he joins the illustrious, um, the illustrious former Nick who went on to win a, a fucking title or world championship after he left the Knicks. So it's like him, <laughs> J.R. Smith. Uh, did Trevor Ariza win one? I want to say he did. I, I, did I, don't know if he has one. I could be making that up in my mind. Um, Came close. There, like... Did Derek was Derek Lee there when they when Golden State started winning championships? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I can't confirm that. Point being, if you're a former Nick and you're not Carmelo, you might be on your way to winning a, uh, a NBA championship. <laughs> yeah. Shout, shout out to Jeremy Lin, man. Like he he had that stretch. I forgot what year that was, where he was like, you know, Lin sanity was a thing. And dude just managed to like keep his stock high and his name just kind of be out there. And you end up on Toronto, you get a ring. Um, and shout out to Toronto, man. Like they, even though I'm a Spurs fan, so this Kawhi thing, you know, I'm kind of. It's a weird situation. David Lee won a title, <laughs> 2015. Oh, <snap. laughs> oh man, so that's the deal. You got to go to the Knicks, then leave, and then uh, good luck will be bestowed upon you. Yeah. But um, shout-out to Jeremy Lindo, first Asian-American to win the title. Uh, that's an awesome accomplishment. And it was a great, great finals game, man. Really enjoyed it. This NBA, NBA season has been really fun Moscow uh, to watch. Timothy huh? Mozgov won a title. <laughs> Dude, Kyle Lowry is a champ. Dude, Kyle Lowry got rings before. Melo, CP3, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. The list goes on and on. Shout out to uh, uh, Mark Gasol too. Him and Paul Gasol are, are they the first brothers to win championships? I want to say. I, uh, I I'm trying. I can't remember. I, I if they're not the first, they're they got to be in rare company. Right. I know that hasn't happened often. I want to say they're the first brothers to ever hold titles. Um, but I, I I could be wrong. But shout out to Jeremy Lindo, man. First Asian American champion. Awesome accomplishment. Um. 
yeah, man, this has been a fun NBA season. As a Spurs fan, it was kind of hurtful. We got put out early, but you know, regardless, just as a fan of basketball, it, it was it was really really fun to watch, man. Um, ba- basketball NBA has been just really awesome these last couple seasons. While I've been getting back into it, I'm a little more. It's been really, really fun to watch. But that's my shout-out, man. So congrats. Congratulations to, uh, to Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Um, if you're still in the uh, – if anybody out there is still in the mood for uh, basketball, WNBA season's in full swing. Um, my Liberty beat the Los Angeles Sparks yesterday, so I'm really happy about that. Um, but beyond that, shout-out to um, – so you got women's sports. Shout out to the FIFA FIFA Women's World Cup, which is going on right now. And if you're not watching, you probably should be because it's great. Um, you know. Um, shout out to um, oh this woman Olympia Asa in South Los Angeles. I was reading something about um, she runs a a health food spot. Like I, I think it's like a little um. It might be like a little corner stand um, called Supermarket, spelled without the E's. Um, and for those of the, like, there are areas designated in certain cities called food deserts, where it's just super hard to get healthy food. Like, you'll have fast food joints, you'll have corner, like, you know, your, your local corner store that has, like, you know, chips and shit, but it won't have, you, you won't have, like, a, a full-fledged supermarket. And in a city, it's super hard to find, like, a local... It could be super hard to find, like, a local market. I know, like, there are someone around here. Um, so, but, you know, she's out here trying to uh, open up a restaurant not, uh, and a full-time, like, grocery store. Um, doing it all independently. She has, like, a GoFundMe or slash Kickstarter page. Go get up. Her name is Olympia Asset, A-U-S-E-T. Throw her some bucks if you can. Um, you know, she she was she's from Slauson. She's she was inspired by Nipsey Hussle. Um, actually, her stand is on the same street where uh, his uh, his, uh, his store is, the one where he got shot at it. So, yeah, so props to her. Um, props to um, I I have a whole list of shit here. Um. um the app C25K. For the first time in my life, I ran like eight minutes, and I'm really ha- I'm really proud of that fact. Hey. Um, like it, 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 it's um, it's an app designed over the course of two months to get you accustomed to running for thirty minutes, which is about not what, which gives you, which is like enough time to run a five k, which is about three point one miles. So, like, if you're interested in, you know. Building up your endurance, your stamina, do that. I'm on like week five or something. Um, I have to run 20 minutes tomorrow, and I'm kind of fretting that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm also kind of excited. It's got me. It, it, it's. I'm not gonna say it, it hasn't gamified running so much as it just made running like tangible. Like, okay, I only have to run at, at pace for a certain amount of minutes. And there's no like designation for how far I have to run. So it's 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 way better than just running until like your back and legs start to hurt. 
You feel me? Right. Because <laughs> that's always been like the major thing with me. So props, props. They have it called C two five K. If you want to give it a shot, it's free. Um, I know they have like some like in app purchases. Like you can buy like how far your distance is or whatever. But there are other ways to track that. Um, so yeah, shout the app and um, I don't know. Just in New York, they just passed that uh, that rent control legislation, and they got a bunch of landlords angry. And I'm always happy to see a bunch of landlords angry. So, did they like cap the rent? They they capped how much rent could go up every year. Hmm, okay. So, yeah, New York New York needs it. New York, <laughs> San Francisco, anywhere else is being gentrified to shit. Yeah, I feel like we all need it, but in states like, especially over there, where everything is just like crazy expensive like yeah they, they definitely definitely need something like that yeah oh and one last one um just because like you know we, we are small content creators especially you sensei with your published book and your interviews on pbs's blog hey appreciate it. um but um this dude named felix colgrave he's an animator on youtube uh up until recently he was like sustaining himself on like you know, freelance work, stuff that it costs more money to actually make to actually make than it did to like that he was getting paid. But it, it, like, if you ever seen like some of his stuff on YouTube, it's like great. Um, I, I recommend going up. Like he he did the um the Cypress the recent Cypress Hill video. Oh, uh, Muggs is dead. I need to watch that. Yeah, I need to watch this still. Um, he, he he's you know so he he is fantastic animator. He just started a Patreon. It was really cool to see. Like he started it like two days ago, and he already has like two thousand patrons, which is crazy. But it, I just giving him a shout out. Go watch his stuff. Go watch uh, what was it called Double King? It's great. I love animation. I wish YouTube was friendlier to animators and that they were able to actually make a living putting their stuff up online. But YouTube values like vlogs and like. But yeah, just mostly vlogs and like drama videos and like hate speech videos more than they do actual like talent. So it is what it is. Yeah. Shout out to all the content creators. It is hard, like ridiculously hard to make a living off of whatever it is your content is. Because a lot of people, aside from the platforms often not being friendly to it, a lot of people just don't feel entitled to pay content creators. Like they think it's just some free. Oh yeah thing that would just and that that's a whole nother argument that i won't even get into right now but uh like if it I, takes I, I time and, and money and effort to put into it like people like like especially in the internet era we get lost in the um like the ease of access to everything like if you want to go play like the witcher 3 you there there you can literally go pirate it off of like like a million different websites or whatever but like especially with like these small one man teams or one woman teams or like like people are putting their time and effort and resources into shit like even if you can't spot them like a buck you know drop a good word of praise like pass on to your friends like you know we're all trying to just sustain you know alright and don't uh, I'll close it out on this don't be that person to ask for free shit who when not even that the well yeah definitely don't be that person to ask to do something for free 
but it, it irks my soul when I see people like, oh, um, you know, I didn't, um, I shouldn't have to pay you. It's all about the exposure. Exposure don't pay bills, bro. I cannot, <laughs> I, I can't pay my car note with exposure. I, I need money. Pay me for my service. Exactly. Um, you can keep, keep, keep your exposure. You can keep that. <laughs> but, um, my favorite was some dude who had like, like, cause I, like you read, like I'm into knitting and like, I read stuff all the time from people who are like, who, who don't like sell their stuff, but like they post about it and people come to them and ask like for people to make them stuff. And it's always like the most craziest shit. Like some lady, um, posted like about like, you know, she made blankets and stuff and like, you, I don't know if you know how much yarn it takes to make a blanket. It's a lot. Probably a lot. It's a lot. Like, we're, we're talking maybe like a, like a full queen-size bed, probably a couple hundred bucks, just in yarn. Um, dude came to her and was like, I want it for like 20 bucks. It's like insane. Yeah, yeah get out of here. <laughs> Go to Amazon for your blanket or your quilt, whatever you want. Yeah, don't 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 come over here with that. And those things take like months to make. All right, and that's a lot of labor and time that you're you're not getting paid for. Nobody's congratulating you. It's literally just you just taking out time out of your day. You could be doing a million other things, and you're choosing to, you know, do this. Respect my time. Pay me for my time. That's that's what it boils down to. Your job wouldn't come to you and tell you, hey, yeah, I know you've been working hard, but yeah, we're not going to pay you. You would leave, so. But that's all we got for today's episode. So as always, give us a listen. SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at Yahoo.com. Hit us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. Once again, man, happy belated Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you have a good week. We appreciate you. And as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. So until next time, we will catch you guys later. <laughs>